everyone. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Game Junk Podcast. This is episode number 21 for, let's say, October 2014. And my name is Sean. My name is Frank. My name is Andrew. And coming up on this episode, we've got uh, some discussion about a lot of different games we've played individually. We've got Destiny. We've got Shadows of Mordor. We've got Hyrule Warriors. Some other, you know, older stuff. A lot of news, some hot-button stuff, including Gamergate, and we've got some special guests joining us this week. We've got Chris and Alex from Pixel Knots. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah, doing pretty well, good. yeah. <laughs> We're over at Casa de Frank. Mm. It's, uh, it's otherwise known as Site B. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very hospitable location. Sex dungeon. Lots of beers. <laughs> <laughs> Leather couches. It's nice. It's nice. So I understand you guys, well, you work with Frank uh, on a, uh, you know, occasional basis. And uh, I understand the discussions get quite heated in the offices of Pixel Knots. Will this transfer to Game Junk? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Frank, I don't know. He seems to... He's the office troll. He definitely likes to <laughs> express contrary opinions. And I don't know, man. He likes to, like, uh, amp up his opinions, too, right? Like, if he slightly disagrees with you, he's going to come up with a way to blow it out of proportion so he really disagrees with you. Yeah, you know? he even got me angry. <laughs> wow. How was that again? <laughs> with the... With the um, Zelda? Uh, yeah, Skyward Sword. Oh, yeah. It's, the control sucked. Yeah, see, Frank's wrong. That game's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets okay. out of control sometimes. Just at least we're not talking about Prometheus because that's where pun. things get really crazy. Ooh, in the hey, this, this is game junk, all right? Game junk. So before we uh, get to some of the many news stories, um, let's talk briefly. So you guys have Lost Orbit uh, nearing the end of development. What what's the how's that looking? What's the release date? When can we expect it? It's getting there. Oh man, that's the process, right? Like anybody who's worked in games knows you get about eighty percent of the way there and you're only halfway done. <laughs> so we've been close to being finished for months and months and it just keeps kinda of rolling on. But uh I think we're really actually getting close this time and uh yeah, we're getting close to the testing phase and we don't have a concrete release date at this point, but uh soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Safe to say we hate our lives, so it can't be much longer. Or else. Yeah. Murder, cool. suicide. <laughs> Sweet. And Hawk City, what about you? How's Citizens of Earth coming? It's good. We're close, real close. Uh, our release date is November 4th currently. Hopefully everything goes to plan, which it looks like it is. And uh, yeah, just kind of finishing up. We submitted to Sony once and got back, so... Hopefully we're getting close, going to submit to Nintendo in a couple of days, so hopefully that'll all go smooth and everyone will have it in their hands November 4th on PS4, Vita, Wii U, 3DS, and Steam. That's that was a platforms. way better plug than ours. Well, sorry, yeah. bud. I got to see like Interstellar four times that weekend. Don't think I can do it. <laughs> That's okay. You'll have time after. Interstellar is only like eight hours if you it's watch gonna it four be, times, No, so. it's going to be a lot to process. Citizens of Earth of- is... Is like forum research. There's, it's going to be deep. It's going to be intense. <laughs> but Citizens of Earth, minimum 20 hours. So, you know, for that other hours of the day, you can fill your time with Citizens. That's too long for me. I know. I don't and expect you to say, play it Did you all. say it's They're launching like, simultaneously on all platforms? Or Yeah, I think so. I think that's a plan. Holy Sweet. Cow. And did you say X-Bone? 
no, no X bone. Ouch. I'm an exclusive X bone guy. It's not that is actually <laughs> not the bone. For, uh, yep. That's not because we hate Microsoft. It's actually because they couldn't get us a kit in time. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, that Ouch. sounds like a pretty common problem. Actually, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if we had a kit, we probably would also be releasing X bone. But it's actually great that I don't have to do that one as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, how how's your uh, physical and mental health right now? Are you holding it together or Ooh. what? Uh, <laughs> no. And I'm getting about three to four hours of sleep a night, and because uh, I'm taking care of my son for the day, and then I work at night, so it's a little crazy right now. But almost over. I can see the end finally. Yeah. So, game's starting to be really stable, and just kind of fixing all the polish bugs now, and making sure. All those stupid technical requirements from the platform holders are met, like your save data appears just the right way and all this stuff. So all the fun stuff that no one wants to do. If you remove the game disk while saving and also trying to update (laughs) from the internet and unplugging your router at the same time. Yep. You got to make sure that's handled. Yep. All that dumb stuff. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's good. It's going well. So we're almost done and... The end is in sight, and I will sleep more than four hours soon, I believe. Nice. Glad to hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's get into it, boys. Oh, got... one thing I wanted to say before we get into it. Uh, shout out to Drinkbox released Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition on uh, Wii U, Xbone, I think PS4, and Steam. And I think it was free for the Games for Gold. It was the first new it release was. for Games for Gold on X-Bone. So I don't know if it's still free, but people should definitely pick that up. Yep, it's pretty awesome. Does anyone know if it's still free? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, it's not anymore, no. No, okay. That's too bad. We should, we should probably give one more shout-out to uh, a former guest of the show, PC, Paul Capricci. His company, Creative Bytes, has a iPad game out, iOS, called, uh, what is it? Sorry, I lost here. Monsters Assemble Assemble 3D. Nice. So it's free right now. I believe it's still free. So if you got kitties out there, Sean, fire it up for Kieran already, will you? Yeah, I I will definitely check that out. I heard about it. I want Kieran doing his first review. On Game Junk. <laughs> well, hey, I got it. I started him on uh, Mario, so we'll talk about that when I get to uh, discussing the Wii U. But uh, he's primed and ready, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, okay, so news. Lots of stuff to talk about. I don't know how long we're going to go, but we'll see how many things we get to here. Let's start with uh, big news, fairly recent. Microsoft buys Mojang, makers of Minecraft, for, I believe, was it $2.5 billion? 2.5 bills. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Um, first of all, does anybody here play Minecraft? I no. did for a while. No. I bought the Xbox One version last week and played it for an hour or two. So, yeah, you play it. I think you can say. <laughs> <laughs> I liked I it, though. I, I think I think there's a lot of potential. When I had played it way, way long ago, some friends of mine were playing the pre-release version. And I was watching them. This is the worst game ever. It was so beta or even alpha, and I could not follow what was going on. So I've definitely seen the transition to where it is actually a game now and enjoyable to someone who 
just steps into it for the first time. I know for me about two years ago or so when I was at Bedlam, the game just like went through the office and they had, I think, two or three servers set up on work computers and literally you'd walk to the office and it was just like every second desk with someone just playing Minecraft, not giving a shit that they're supposed to be working. So, I mean, it's obviously a good game. I've never, I just never got the time to sit down and play, with it, play it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, clearly got a ton of people playing it, and Microsoft thinks it's worth quite a bit of money. Uh, I guess a few things to discuss here. I mean, one of the uh, secondary news stories to this was that Notch, the uh, creator of Minecraft, uh, is leaving the company after this whole buyout goes through. Uh, so, I mean, some people seem like, you know, Minecraft fans seem kind of pissed that, uh, you know, he decided to sell to a, a big corporation and and who knows what's going to happen to Minecraft in the future. But on the other hand, sometimes, like, it kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of George Lucas and Star Wars, you know, where you get to a certain point where something's really big, you maybe don't have the energy to take care of it anymore. Like, what else are you going to do? You've got to give it to a company that's got the resources to manage it. And and we'll pay you $2.5 billion. Yeah, it's, it's $2.5 billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let's <laughs> nice also check. I see another similarity between Star Wars and this, and that you're saying a lot of people are pissed about it. I mean, relatively, I don't think there are that many people pissed about it. I think the most, most people who play that game are eight years old, playing on an iPad and something else, and have no idea who Notch is, just like kids who like Star Wars don't know who George Lucas is. And that's who Disney and Microsoft are going after. They don't know about the video game scene. I know very few people our age who play those games. So I, to me, it's like, while video game websites might be big, making a big deal, I don't think it's that big a deal business-wise for Microsoft. No, my nephew plays that game like eight hours a day, and he doesn't give a crap who owns it or why or how. He plays it more than Call of Duty or GTA. He doesn't give a crap. And that's totally the market. So do you guys think this was a good move for Microsoft? Like Frank and I were talking about in the office when he came in. He's like, yeah, what do you think about this Minecraft buyout? And I'm like, there's no way they're going to make that money back. Like my first reaction was the game, like, because I've watched it for such a long period of time. I just, I felt instantly like, okay, it's peaked. You know, it's got maximum penetration. Like, what are they really going to do with it, right? Like, and I remember like what Frank was saying back in the day when it was like just this tiny little hack together, like pre pre alpha, right? Going all the way through to like my friends getting uh, uh, invested in it personally, like making texture sets and running their own servers and all that kind of stuff. Now, and it's I, I don't know. I almost feel like it can't get any bigger. Um, but right after that, I'll, well, I'll let you tell them, Frank what what you said to me. <laughs> okay, I predict my prediction for the reason is to make Minecraft 2 potentially exclusive or an exclusive window to Surface tablets. and Surface tablets, interesting. So Microsoft, I think, is having trouble permeating the tablet market, and that's where a lot of kids play it on. Most kids that I've, like friends of the family, the kids are playing it on iPads, right? Hmm. So even if they can still make their money eventually on iOS if it fails because they can just release it later. But I think they're going to look for a way to push the Surface tablets and get exclusive content on those machines uh, that, you know, hopefully start having them flow through stores. And I think 
we'll see Minecraft, Minecraft two, or uh, you know, the same way there's Warcraft and Starcraft, some other kind of craft in the vein of Minecraft, exclusive to Microsoft in the r- near future. At but least for a window. That wasn't even the argument that convinced me, though. Oh, was it? Do you remember uh, the other argument that you made? Just how many toys they sell? Just swag, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. T-shirts, sure. toys, Lego, Posters. Like whatever, right? Walk yeah, around exactly. at Halloween this year, I guarantee it's going to be 50% Minecraft people. Yeah, oh, yeah, fifteen year old kids everywhere. with pickaxes. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the thing that changed my mind because, like, when I first thought about it, just purely as a game, I'm like, they'll never make that money back. There's Lego Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. which is stupid <laughs> because Lego—that's where they got the idea, right? Yeah. They'll do a Minecraft movie too, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, it's their way of battling Sony, right? I mean, it's silly, but kids play like my nephew plays it exclusively on the uh, 360 now. And he bought an Xbox One. He spent $600 of his own money last week. And he's like, I'm getting Destiny and Minecraft. And Destiny just because he had the money. <laughs> and that was it, right? He just, and I think that's, that's their win against Sony. They're like, we need an exclusive that we know people will like. And they, they've always been about capturing something that's exclusive to another console, whether it's a little too late, like Rare. Or, yeah, and or, ruining them. And- or Halo or whatever, right? <laughs> or just lying about exclusives. Yeah. We'll get to that later. You know what, though? For me, though, I think... That, well, I'm with you guys with frank anyways how i think this was a smart move i don't know what they'll i'm I'm with you too chris so i don't think they'll make their money back on the game alone but i think this is the first smart sort of like forward looking move by microsoft that they've made probably in like the last 10 years because normally they're kind of like chasing nintendo or chasing sony but with this one i think they're looking at that like 8 to 15 year old market and I think what they'll do is I think they'll use Minecraft as like a platform to reach those kids. So definitely, I think what they'll they'll start dropping like Minecraft an update. TV series exclusively on Microsoft. <clears throat> Not just that, but With I think gold. they'll start like they'll update Minecraft whichever version everyone's playing, and then they'll be able to nicely say like just drop Xbox stuff in there, Xbox ads just basically start flooding them with Microsoft-specific advertising and use it as a gateway to have all those kids grow up with, like, Microsoft... The Microsoft logo, imbra- like, just grained in their head <laughs> that you want to buy Microsoft stuff, right? Because you're just going to indoctrinate the kids with that logo. Like, I bet all those kids know exactly what Mojang logo looks like. So they'll probably do something where they start integrating you know, the Microsoft logo with the Mojang lo- logo to get them, you know, associated together. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, you see the Mojang, you instantly think Microsoft. So then it will just become you, you know, you show the Mojang li- label or logo, and then kids will just automatically associate Microsoft with it. And just like how Destiny is associated with Sony right now, the same sort of thing from Microsoft, except I guarantee the Minecraft population if you want is just so huge and those kids don't even have money right now i was gonna say microsoft's always been about identifying and buying companies that they think have some sort of potential right like they've been doing that for a long time and it's not that they're not good at identifying what's valuable they're definitely really good at that their problem has always been whether or not they can maintain it to the level of you know the people who are fans of it beforehand right like skype Hotmail, rare. <laughs> well, yeah, that, like it's just, that, it also seems to go downhill. Like to me, Microsoft always seems like a really square uncle that's trying to be cool. 
And he just uses money to like buy things here and there. Yeah, check me out. I got Air Jordans. But he's like, you know, five years too late or something, right? And it just keeps going like that. Like what they need to do is put people in charge who know the demographic of the people that they're selling to instead of like changing the manager of the project every couple of years. And that's the thing I was going to bring up. The, the case for failure of this is you see how fast kids move from fad to fad. Yeah. And I mean... Uh, Skylanders seems to have maintained momentum through time, but there could be a day, any day, where all of a sudden kids don't think Minecraft is cool anymore, and it can happen at any time. Yeah, the way it did with me with like Ninja Turtles and stuff when I was a kid, they that were my life, and then they were nothing to me. Pogs, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, Minecraft's been around a while, and I'm sure there's something looming in the shadows waiting. To draw kids' attention soon. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, that's where the departure of Notch is a little bit disconcerting is that, you know, they don't have somebody now overseeing the product moving forward. And I'm sure they will have a sequel. And even though they've reassured people that the current version of Minecraft will be available on all platforms, the sequel could very well be Microsoft exclusive, at least initially. But I guess maybe that's a good good way to segue into the next topic, which is another Microsoft exclusivity deal, <laughs> which kind of turned out to be not so exclusive. Uh, this happened at Gamescom, which was when? A couple months ago now? Yeah. And, uh, right. uh, so Rise of the Tomb Raider is the next Tomb Raider game. What a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> and Again, uh, they were like two years too late. Everything was Rise, and now, now they're catching up. <laughs> and... At Gamescom, they announced it would be exclusive to the Xbox One, I believe. Uh, and then people freaked out, and like a day later, they said, "Oh, actually, it's a timed exclusive." Just we want to clarify. And you know, I think they knew very, very well what they did with that initial announcement. And now it's kind of up for debate whether or not that is a big deal for Microsoft. What do you guys think? Well, I just want to do one thing quick, because when we introduced Chris and Alex, they both kind of said hello at the same time. So I want to make sure the listeners know who's Alex and who's Chris. Yes. So they can rip them up in the comments appropriately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, you're not. Uh, so Alex, why don't you talk first? Say, hi, my name's Alex, and I like this and this and this. Hey, my name is Alex, and I like this and this and this. Okay. And Chris? <laughs> I'm Chris. Uh, you'll be able to tell which one I am, because I'll get worked up over something or other, and my voice goes a little bit higher, and I start ranting. So Yeah, Alex is pretty chill. I'm, I'm easy the to Nintendo fanboy. Yeah, he's wearing a Zelda shirt right now. Yeah, I'm always wearing a Zelda. He's got a Zelda tattoo. I do. He loves Zelda. Two of them. One does people He don't still know believes that that demo at E3 is real time. Dude. He's delusional. <laughs> <laughs> It's so beautiful. Okay, anyway, so Tomb Raider exclusivity, oh, two words, or two phrases, I guess, that just hit me hard. Tomb Raider, my game of the year, exclusivity, my term of my life <laughs> combined. And I'm, I got to be honest, I've said already, I'm in an X-Bone phase right now. And the reason is exclusivity. I look at the games coming out this holiday and, I mean, any game coming out on PS4, except for some indie stuff, I can get on Xbox. But then I look at the stuff that I really want to play that's new, that I can only play on Xbox, and we got Sunset Overdrive, 
Forza Horizon 2 just came out today. Forza. 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 Just Forza. to piss off Chris over there. <laughs> and then we got Halo Collection and uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah, all coming out this year, exclusive to Xbox. Those are the games I'm excited for. So rather than be jumping back and forth, I'm just going to settle in on an Xbox groove. You know what I'm saying? And to hear Tomb Raider is just going to slide in with that, I don't know if I'll still be in that phase then, but it's Probably helping. Be. It's helping. You know what? Uh, side note. Side note. I got to talk about this. Sometimes there's these magic moments. Just bliss. So today, I go to Target. Target has a deal. Buy Shadow of Mordor and get a $10 gift card. Okay? It, this is when you know something aligned right. So I go there. I decide to look for a lighting section first, for a light fixture. That's my first mistake. Anyway, they don't have like lighting fixtures at that Target or probably any Target, just lamps and stuff. So I walk all the way so around to the video game section. No, no, listen. And I, I see a kid walking. He's talking to a guy that I know at Target, and he's going to ask him to unlock games. So as they're walking towards the games, I'm like, oh, I'm here for the same thing. And they're like, he's Shadow of Mordor? I'm like, yep, okay. Go over. And like, we got a little situation here. Only, only one copy of Shadow of Mordor on PS4. The kid was there before me. He's getting his pick at the litter. He wants it for PS4. If I was in a PS4 phase, I would have lost my mind today. I would have <laughs> snapped. I wouldn't have gotten it. I would have killed myself probably because I went around the store first rather than going straight for the game. And I would have hated that kid and hated everyone. But instead, I wanted it for Xbox anyway. No big deal. Life worked out. Xbox phase, it's meant to be. How many it's Xbox copies to be. were there? Three. Oh, that's not that much. But either way, that that's a sign. If that's not a sign that something's going right, I don't know what is. And it's got me more locked into this phase than ever. That Frank, kid's life was big... saved because you went to the lighting fixture section. <laughs> exactly. Everyone was happier because of this phase. So it's got to be a great thing. Frank, your big bag of Microsoft money just arrived. Oh, thank you. I love it. <laughs> I'll just put it here beside your leather couch. And uh, yeah, so go Microsoft, go, go, go. I can't wait. And it didn't matter if the, I don't, for some people, the window matters. That's cool. I don't care if it was exclusive for one day. That's a big deal for me because I want to play Tomb Raider the day it comes out and it'll probably be my most anticipated game of next year, depending on how uh, Drake's four looks, but oh, well, big me, announcement me, for me. Let me just uh, throw it over to Huck City here because we all know. He's a big Tomb Raider fan. Indeed I am. Does not own a PS4 or an Xbox One yet. Nope. Does this in any way change which console you might buy next year if you buy one next year? I don't think so. I'm going to buy, probably when Citizen ships a PS4. I think that's my goal of life. But for me, I'm not a big deal about exclusive. I'm so behind on games anyways that I half the time I don't even know when games come out. I just... Happen to notice they're out. and uh, But for me, I think the so big thing sad. about this exclusive kind of blow-up He's was, just cheap, like me. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I'm very cheap. I go does to the, the library. I got to wait for the I was going to say, does the, the li- does the library have Xbox One games yet? They do. <laughs> okay. It, it's what if true. the library went exclusive? <laughs> well, then I might have a problem. I might... Oh, I might try to... You know what? I'm looking for a job. I might see if I can become a librarian. I, oh, I'll have to get a librarian degree first. Okay, I can, I can do that. <laughs> and then I will try to take over your local library 
and uh, run it and phase out you'd have all to take over the, Sony products. You'd have to take over the region's library purchasing. I will it's do Peel that. Peel region. Okay, Peel region, look out. I'm coming. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think you have to go that far. Why don't you just get a job? Just get a library card and go just in there and hire all, all the Sony stuff. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> just trash it. <laughs> You're smart. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for me, I think for this exclusivity thing, I think it was the best for, that it blew up for Square Enix because they literally accepted the truckload of money from Microsoft and then got way more PR than they were probably anticipating for this game. And they didn't have to say anything for it. And they didn't do anything. They yeah. literally gave them, what was it, like a five-second footage of her... I don't think the trailer was that long. Maybe like 30 seconds, maybe? There's yeah. a long... Yeah. So they made a 30-second trailer, and all of a sudden they get a boatload of money from Microsoft and all this extra PR that is only going to help them sell, on top of the fact that there was all that hoopla about wasn't it Tomb Raider undersold? They're saying it undersold last year. The original yeah. expectations. Come on, give me a yeah. Break. Which is, I mean, that game was awesome. I don't know how it undersold, but it was like, yeah, their expectations, right? So it's easy think, to undersell when you set your expectations in the sky, right? Yeah. So I think that blow up with the Microsoft exclusivity blow up. I think it's just going to cause Tomb Raider to sell a ton on whatever console it comes out. When it comes out on Sony, I think it'll sell a ton there too. But I mean, I guess that's the thing. They are giving up is that the initial sales on the ps4 which has a much bigger install base right now they're making those people wait which... right but they could easily take their truckload of microsoft money and then use it as P- well hopefully as it PR makes up for that but yeah yeah i mean they could use it as marketing for whatever the ps4 release date is yeah just push it i mean what about it, the I'm... tears of injustice andrew of Oh, play- Tomb Raider started on PlayStation. It should be on PlayStation. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Where did Tomb Raider start? PlayStation. You mean PC? PlayStation 1. PlayStation yeah, Are 1. you sure it didn't come out first for PS1? Before- PS1? I think it was PS1. Yeah. yeah before, PS1. before PC. I think so. I'm almost 100% sure. I want a fact check. Sean, get on. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> I want a fact check I am pretty. I'm almost 100% sure I'm right, but... Either, Almost 100% is not 100%. Either way, games change. Lo- like, I hate how... I feel like I'm trying to think of an example and I can't do it. PlayStation gets exclusive stuff and it's awesome. Oh, oh, they're popular. Court of public opinion. PlayStation's popular. Everything they do is great. Everything Microsoft does is the worst. How dare they? And they turn everything they do into a negative and everything PlayStation does into a positive and just accept it. They... They ponied up the money. They get Tomb Raider. Deal with it. You want to play it? Buy an Xbox. If not, shut up and wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, it says uh, DOS, PlayStation, and Sega Saturn all November 96. <laughs> DOS. <laughs> DOS, baby. <laughs> Sega <No>. Saturn. Because <laughs> I, played, I played it on PC. Okay. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but those Another triangles. example of this would be um, like the Final Fantasy... Uh, Super Nintendo to PlayStation kind of jump, yeah, of the same and, sort of thing. And I mean, people were pissed off then, so I don't think it's going away. And then they lost it from Sony too, right? Then it went all like everything. So yeah, it was Sony for a long time. Right now, it's Microsoft and PC and whatever. Yeah, I think at was it ten? No, it had to be after ten. It was uh, it was twelve, I think. 12. Well, they released uh, whatever Crystal Chronicles for. GameCube. Yeah, yeah. That was like Crystal one of the Chronicles, first kind baby. of breach. Yeah. Crystal Cron. 
<laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Chris and Alex, do you guys have any thoughts on this this deal? I, I couldn't care less. I mean, it's a timed exclusive. If it was a full, like, I love full exclusives, and I totally buy consoles for that. Like, I'll always buy a PS4 just for Drake and pretty much anything Naughty Dog does. And Well, I think that's actually, things, but. That, that came up as one of the big reasons why Microsoft wanted the exclusive window on this is because I think they're going to time it so that it comes out at the same time Uncharted 4 does on the PS4. Oh, yeah, Uncharted okay. Killer. That makes sense. That's going to be an insane window next year. That holiday, well, yeah, holiday next year. So much stuff yeah. got delayed from this year. Yeah, so. it'll be crazy. Yeah, for me, I feel like uh, I've been used to this kind of abuse for a long time because I play a lot of games on PC. I always have, and uh, I feel like they're always just lying to us, right? Like every every game that comes out, it's exclusive, and they they just seem to leave PC completely like they don't even consider it a platform, right? So when they're yeah. talking about exclusives a lot of time, yeah, it's exclusively on this, exclusively on that. And you'd find out a little bit later, like, no, it's it's available on PC. You just, you know, they're not technically lying if they have a timed exclusive for a day that it's exclusive when it comes out, right? But I just, I guess I've just become accustomed to not trusting anything that goes on at, like, the shows at E3 when they're, when they're saying, this is real time, this is what the game's going to look like, all that stuff. I'm just kind of sitting there waiting, thinking, you know what? I'm going to play the game when it comes out, or I'm going to talk to a friend that's played it, and that's the only time I'm actually going to get any accurate information. So to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and like I said, like uh, uh, like Hawk, I'm I'm cheap, so I, I'm behind. Like I have a big Steam queue, and uh, I don't mind waiting a little bit and and picking it up. Like the last Tomb Raider I bought for seven fifty, and it's been great. It's been great for seven fifty. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a good price. Yeah, I bought it full price, and it was worth it. That was that was excellent game. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to the market being so fragmented now. Nobody like there's so few exclusives outside of the first party titles. So, I mean, I yeah. think that's why people freaked out at first when the announcement. It seemed like it was exclusive because that would have been a huge deal, but not so much now. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mario Kart Eight. Some interesting oh. DLC. <laughs> Love it by Nintendo. Uh, Love those Mercedes cars. Mm. Yeah, so I guess is that one out now? The Mercedes yeah, it is. One? Yeah. So, so the first DLC pack they announced for Mario Kart had some new vehicles and some. It, it was uh, branded with the Mercedes uh, vehicles in there, and that had a lot of people kind of saying, "What is Nintendo doing?" Like that seems pretty, pretty strange for Nintendo to be, uh, you know, doing corporate sponsorship stuff with their games. And then they uh, followed that up with in, an announcement of a new DLC pack that's going to have more characters and more cars and things um, that are, you know, kind of going beyond the Mario universe and into the Nintendo universe, I guess. Uh, and a lot of people seem pretty excited about that. To me, it just seems like Mario Kart is the one game that has sold like crazy on the Wii U, so they're just doubling down on it right now. What do you guys think? I think the DLC has been a long time coming. It's it's really nice seeing Nintendo actually putting out updates. Like you'll play more. Like I love Mario Kart. You play it, you finish it, and then it's done. It's so nice actually having more tracks coming out. Um, yeah, I think they should have done it a long time ago. And branching out from the like Mario characters and putting in Zelda and and Animal Crossing in there. That's just for their Amiibo stuff. But I'm totally cool with that. I mean, the Amiibo stuff's cool. Link is pretty awesome. 
Talk about the Mercedes. They want to hear about the no, Mercedes. No, nobody cares about the Mercedes. <laughs> talk about the Mercedes. The Mercedes. Oh, it's awful. It's the worst thing ever. I hate seeing it in there. I wish I could delete just that DLC pack. I hate seeing just the cars in that list of cars. It, it looks awful. You know what ruins it for me, though, is that you can tell that there was a meeting at some point where they sat down and they're like, listen, Mario, everything in Mario is exaggerated, cartoony. That's not the type of image that we want for Mercedes. And they sat down and they're like, listen, we'll give you the CAD data. We'll give you this, this awesome, perfect model of every single Mercedes vehicle that we produce. And you put it in exactly the way we give it to you. We don't want exaggerated lines. We want, you know, what, what, like their colors are like black, silver, and white. And that seems to be basically what's in the game too, right? Like it's just, it's such a sellout. It doesn't fit well. And you can tell that they just bowed to the, the corporate pressure because of the check that was being given to them, right? I would question Mercedes in this. Yeah. Who weird. plays Mario Kart? Kids and guys like us in our 30s yeah. who can't afford Mercedes. <laughs> grown up kids, Like, yeah. who are they trying to appeal to? I don't know many uh, business types and uh, my friends who work in banking aren't playing Mario Kart every night and... No. I got to get a Mercedes for my next car because it's in Mario Kart. I, I just I don't think that's the angle necessarily though. What I think it might be is uh, I know that in uh, specifically in Japan and in China, Mercedes is a very very popular car and it's very prestigious. yeah that's true. It might just be they just want to sell the DLC to people right and maybe get to kids while they're young and instill Mercedes. True. Mercedes is cool. Yeah. Mario drives. Ah. It's not just an old lady car. Yeah. Oh, it's cool in Japan, yo. It's cool yeah. everywhere. Fucking shit costs money. <laughs> now, one thing I wasn't clear on, is the Mercedes DLC, do you have to pay for it or is it free? That one was free, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's free, yo. Oh, well, then that's cool, man. What's wrong with that? Are you, what you do you... Th- you something, get something for free, you get some Let's put the in DeLorean there. in there, then. I mean, okay, so you listen... Uh, how do you feel about the new U2 album, Sean? I haven't oh. listened to it. I don't use iTunes. It doesn't affect me. Because <laughs> okay. I'm all I'm with you. If it's free, it's free. Don't complain. What if I give you a free bag of shit? Like it's not... well, <laughs> well. It depends if you have a garden or not. Yeah, if I you guess. drop it on my front lawn, no. But it's true. You know. it's like a fetish or something. <laughs> I mean, as long as I, it's my choice to accept the shit or decline. Yeah, yeah. It's not how iTunes worked. Are you no, still talking about Mercedes? You can or... hide. You can hide. Uh, it's free, it's a free bag of shit. <laughs> it's true. You could light you it on me. fire and give it to somebody else. Me. I mean, there's always uses. Do you have any strong opinions here, Huck City, on the Nintendo the YouTube selling album? <laughs> no, I don't you care. Too, do Huck, they want. You too, Huck. You too. If they get money, YouTube gets money. That's <laughs> fine by me. I don't know why people are complaining about getting free stuff. I'll accept your bag of shit any day. <laughs> With open arms. That's right. I will I'll wait for I will the make Christmas, a garden. Wait for the Christmas episode. <laughs> I'm going to give Andrew a bag of shit. <laughs> of, my, of my shit. And he must accept it. I will. So this might be a good uh, transition then. Speaking of Apple giving stuff away for free and, um, you know, just just all the big announcements that they've had recently. What do you guys think about um, the Apple Watch? Is that something that uh, gamers should be interested in? Are there some opportunities there? Is this thing the most useful or most useless piece of technology ever made? What do you think? 
I'd take it if somebody gave it to me for free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The thing that got me on it, I thought it was kind of okay until we found out that it doesn't work on its own. You need to have an iPhone in your pocket. And right. I, I didn't realize that at first. I thought it was just, hey, it's a phone on your, on your stupid hand. That's fine. Uh, but it's not. It's just an extra device you got to carry around. And I don't know. To me, I don't, I don't really care. It's interesting, actually. Sloan pointed out a good, or made a good point. He was saying they basically got it backwards. If they had gone ahead and made the watch the phone, so you can have it and use it as a phone, no problem. If you go and buy an iPod on the side, then your watch would convert your iPod into a phone that you could use full size. That's a much like, better idea. It's a much better application. Like I, I agree totally. Like having the uh, having the base station basically in your pocket so that to enable this like tiny little touch screen. Like I watched the video as I'm not anti Apple. I've just nothing they sell yes, is you are. I'm anti Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing they sell is like compelling enough for me to shell out the cash, right? And uh, I feel the same way about the phone. Like I, I just feel like I'd have to buy in so deep to be able to make use of it. And even then, it's like, it feels more like a novelty. And you know what? I'll tell you, the thing that I don't like the most about it is Apple prides himself on their design. Man, like, you could not come up with a more simple design for a watch. It's a box on a band. Like, it looks like a candy watch. Have you ever had those, like, candy necklaces where it's like a big block of candy with the, the time printed on it and then a thin little band? That's what it looks like to me. And I can't believe that they're selling that... Uh, what's the gold one cost? Like six hundred dollars or something like that. Seven hundred dollars. Yeah, the base one's like three hundred or something. Or oh man, yeah, I I can't see it. I can't see anybody. I can't see a guy walking into a trading floor wearing an Apple Watch and anybody taking him seriously. Unfortunately, you will. <laughs> I know. Yeah, except he's getting the alerts. All everything coming at him as fast as possible. He's got. And the he's going to make the most money. Tell you what. <laughs> If it's going to make him an extra dollar that day, he'll wear that Apple Watch and he'll like it and he'll fuck it every night. I want to see someone wear like a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, like some guy comes up to you trying to sell them. Well, well, yeah, no, you might have different phones. Different, you might have three of those Apple going up your arm. You well, might have you for different get a time zones. Screen. You might have different shit going on. The Apple Watch probably will revolutionize timepieces in the 21st century coming at you very soon. Revolutionized porn watching <laughs> on the bus. I'm, I'm with you. I, I do not see a case for it yet either. I, me and Alex are on exactly the same page. If you didn't need your iPhone, it'd be compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially, you know, I'm either at home or in my car mostly or sitting down at a desk where I have access to my phone right at my desk. In my car, it already Bluetooths to all my stereo equipment. I don't ever have to take my phone out of my pocket. So. If I want my messages to display on my console, they will. It just when would I need that? That I where my phone is at a place that I can't get to it. I don't understand. I'm also a little biased. I'm a hairy son of a bitch. I can't wear a watch. <laughs> it's awful. It's funny because like I remember wearing a watch for like I, I don't anymore, but wearing a watch for a long period of time uh, after smartphones became like a pretty popular thing, and, and people were always commenting, "Why do you wear a watch and just check your phone?" Right. And it's funny that it's come full circle that, like, people have pretty much abandoned watches because they have their phone on them. And now Apple comes by and says, yeah, the watch is the thing to have. And everyone's like, oh, this is great. Why has no one thought of this before? Now, if Tomb Raider is exclusive to the Apple Watch, I will. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not an Apple fanboy. I think, I think Frank can, can attest to that. But I actually uh, 
believe it or not, I actually think there's potential here for this. I mean, I well, okay, well, let's be clear. You're not an Apple fanboy by any means, but the one thing you do own is an iPhone. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not big on Macs, but I generally like their. Um, so you happen to own the one piece that you need to buy this devices. Thing. But I mean, the whole thing is like I I remember when the iPad came out. And people were kind of like, why would you ever buy this? Like, this is just a giant iPhone. doesn't make any sense. And I felt that way, too. And then, you know, within a year, just everyone had one, and it was useful, and it found its own niche. And I think the watch will probably do the same thing. I, I mean, the, the, the talk of it being connected to the phone, I guess that's a valid criticism, but that's no different than the other uh, smart watches that are out there. They're all kind of the same. They all communicate with your phone and for me like again i think part of it is how long it would last uh on a charge but like i i'm charging my phone sometimes in the house and i don't always have it on me and obviously like a lot of people i don't have a landline or anything like it would be nice to be able to have my phone somewhere in the house but still have the updates coming to the watch i could see that being useful and hey they're they announced an arm wrestling uh game for the watch so i'm in (laughs) it's called broken screen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well maybe one use I'm always when I break up my phone when I'm on the shitter I'm always scared because you know sometimes when I'm done I'll like I have to wipe or <laughs> and I'm like where can I put it sometimes I rest it in my underwear sometimes Some- you have to wipe <laughs> well, sometimes nothing comes out <laughs> okay when I wait, <laughs> and then I put I'll try to find somewhere in a stall that I can lean it without I'm worried it's gonna fall at least with the watch, I don't have to worry. Dude, I can just use my, my watch to browse or whatever I'm doing while I'm shitting. Do you just never FaceTime with anyone when you got to wipe? Just make sure you hang okay. up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you don't wipe with your left hand. You could also just get one of those exercise armbands for your phone. Yeah, like for the, like the Wiimote kind of armband things so you don't drop well, it. Yeah, that, that would work too. But like, <laughs> or just a piece of tape. Yeah, a piece of tape. Definitely. I started seeing that as soon as the watch was announced, people taping their iPhones to their arm. And it, and it looks better than the watch. What? <laughs> it does. It looks like, uh, uh, what were we saying? Pip-Boy or, uh, uh, do you remember Leela from Futurama? Her little, like, arm computer is way, way cooler than the iWatch. Way cooler. See, I think that's why I like the idea of a high-tech watch. Because, you know, I, I grew up with, like, calculator watches and, like, a star trek wrath of khan radio watch you know i'm just i'm waiting for the next evolution that's what it is <laughs> can we can we do something real quick i just want to go around between everybody tell me how much you think the guy who designed the look of the apple watch gets paid a year and tell me then afterwards whether or not you think you could do his job two mil two mil a year yep <laughs> 80k uh, hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year. Two fifty. I was gonna say somewhere in the range of three hundred thousand dollars a year. Is there anybody here who doesn't think they could have designed that watch? Oh, so you, I thought you knew how much you made. No, I don't. <laughs> we should. What is that? <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I wanted to keep their expectations low so I could one up it with the next model. Well, I mean, again, I think with the design of a lot of Apple's devices, they do have a a way of putting out something that's simple 
but nobody else had thought of it up to that point. You know what I mean? Like they boil it down to just the essentials and you could look at it and be like, wow, how did, how did nobody else do that? But nobody else did do that. You know what I mean? I think yeah, we're spoiled. I mean, we haven't even seen it functionally yet though, Sean. I know. So we I'm might not going to buy one. Let me just, what, let me just clear uh, that up. I'm whether not, it does what people think it does or is they thought of this, it may be literally uh, a miniaturized version of your iPhone screen, which is not that impressive. And even Sloan at work, Sloan's the other member of Pixel Knots who is uh, not here with us today. But he used to wear, uh, I think, a, iPod a Nano, Nano. With, oh, a, yeah. with a band, and it's just exactly the same thing. And it looks better than the iPhone. <laughs> and the guy who designed that band on Kickstarter probably made less than 30 k a year. Sorry, Andrew. What were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, I think we're just spoiled technology-wise. If you step back and realize that there is like this crazy touchscreen computer on your wrist that's like, I don't know, two inches by two inches and fully functional and a phone and a radio and internet and music player and you can fit a thousand songs on it. It's pretty incredible. Although I personally have no use for this thing at all. I would never buy it. Um, I don't know. People might want it. I don't think, I think it's more for people who are too lazy to take their phone out of their pocket and want to conserve those calories by just turning their wrist. But I don't know. <laughs> See, Sometimes I would give you a job marketing for it. Apple just based off that. That's amazing. <laughs> Some people might want it. <laughs> it's for people who are too lazy to pull their phone, <laughs> pull their phone out of their pocket. Like that's right. We just need... like don't treat your customers like idiots, man. Tell them the truth. Well, have you seen crazy people? No. You have. Oh my! You've got to borrow crazy people. All right. Crazy people is a Dudley Moore movie from 1991, where he's an advertiser and goes crazy. Oh, I've and, heard of this movie. Yeah, and yeah. he talks to insane people to come up with new ads, and it's just telling the truth. And the first, it's right on my the alley. first forty minutes is amazing. After that, not so great. <laughs> so I'll love it after forty minutes. Yeah, and you'll hate the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's hit a couple more quick stories here. Uh, one that I know you guys wanted to talk about was the new Steam update with curation. <laughs> I don't know the whole deal with this. Can you uh, break it down for us? What exactly is new here? Uh, yeah, so um, Steam underwent a pretty big update this last week. And uh, with it, they've introduced this idea of curation. And so um, the basic breakdown is anyone who's on Steam has realized since it's been created, um, more and more games get released on Steam every year. And it becomes harder and harder for them to um, target you with games that you might be interested in. And so they've had a bunch of um, they've made a bunch of efforts towards trying to make it easier for you to discover new games. Uh, and this is their latest one, which is uh, essentially how Greenlight, um, how Greenlight works, where you have uh, recognized groups of people. Like anybody can be a curator, basically. But what a curator is, uh, is you sign up for it um, and you pick out games uh, that you think are noteworthy, interesting, and whatnot. And then people can essentially follow you and through that discover games that might be interesting to them. So all the major gaming websites uh, have jumped on this along with like uh, a lot of um, people who do shows and stuff like that at, uh, at IndieCade. Uh, Indie Mega Booth has their own curation. Um, 
and uh, a lot of gaming celebrities and game developers as well. And so it just it, it's basically like a customized storefront. So they still have the typical storefront where um, anything that would be interesting to the the mass group of people will be displayed up there. Uh, but they also have this uh, subsection that cleans up the store dramatically by only showing you stuff that they think you'll be interested in. Now, have they added a monetary thing where if you're a curator, you get a cut if someone's following you and buys the game? Not that mm. I know of, but mm. I wouldn't be surprised. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Anyways, you guys should get you should you guys should be curators. Yeah. But you guys should only put games on there that you all agree are awesome. <laughs> what if I become a curator and I only put games on there that people pay me to put on there? Yeah, deal. Well, I mean, every every form, <laughs> uh, every form of media has had to deal with that, right? And I mean, there's lots of stuff going on with games, like conflicts of interest like that, going on with games right now. But like payola scandals back, you know, with radio back in the day, they had to overcome that, right? And uh, I, I think that happens anytime there's a new form of media. Um, somebody's going to pay them to get their time. And uh, yeah, people just have to oust them. Oustum. Yeah, I mean, I guess the idea of it just kind of being open to anyone, like it kind of is similar to what happened with social media in the sense that you can kind of pick and choose where you want to get your news from. You don't have to rely on, you know, a few major news sources and, and live with whatever biases they have. So I can see that being useful. And I think that's definitely a problem. I mean, you guys must think about this a lot because indie games so many indie games come out and it's really hard to get noticed and i think it's even worse on the app store it's just impossible to you know put out a game and and if you're not you know with a publisher or something you're not going to get noticed and you really have to come up with some creative way to promote yourself but i guess this way potentially the cream will rise to the top anyway yeah uh i think they saw uh, what the app store has become and there, it's just a, a move to try and circumvent it you know going in that direction right um, yeah I like the curator thing I think it's kind of neat you could follow people that you like and they could be you know twitch streamers or youtubers or just some random jerk and the cool thing is with the curator program is it'll sort your games based on how many of the people you follow like that game so if you follow 100 people and 50 people like this game that'll be on the top of the list so and will it remove stuff I own already uh, you can filter for that, yeah. Yeah, and it does. It does already list you own this game or it's in your library, but you can remove it as well. Yeah, and you can filter out like software and DLC and and that kind of stuff. So if you just want to do games, it'll do that. So it's kind of cool. Huxley, any thoughts? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I think this last news story was one you suggested. I don't know the whole yeah. deal behind this. EA Access is a new thing they recently launched, and I. Is this does it give you access to full games or is it just for DLC like a subscription thing for DLC for their games? Some full games. So I think right now how it works is it's five bucks a month or fifty bucks for a year, and you get Battlefield Four and I think Peggle Two for free, kind of like as long as you're uh, EA Access or maybe it's forever. I don't know. It might be like PS Plus where it's like as long as you're a member kind of thing. No, I think it's just subscription. What's that? Or are you going to say there's other games too? Yeah, you, was, you I, get. Are you saying there's some games that you get forever and some that are only during your subscription? Oh, I don't know. Because I think you get the old versions of Madden and FIFA as well. Oh right, yeah. And then the other thing is you get. 
I think it's a $10 discount off of digital versions of new games that are released while you're a member. And so I wanted to talk about it because uh, I think there was like this sort of like negative spin to this that kind of came off. Like people were against it. And I don't know, like I personally wouldn't pay, like I wouldn't keep subscribing or anything, but I don't see why. Um, So I think this is kind of like they're trying to match PS Plus in a sense, like get their own sort of Mm -hmm. like PS Plus subscription. I would add uh, video game Netflix as well and play uh, PS Go or PS Live or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of except the EA library is like not on this, right? I mean, EA has a huge, huge library and they don't have, they, they barely scratch the surface of stuff that's on there. But I think for me, if I were to get this, I don't know why you wouldn't. So I'm a big sports gamer, right? And the thing with sports games is almost all of them come out. All the ones I'm interested in anyways, FIFA, Madden, NHL, NBA. Well, maybe not NBA right now, but they all come out sort of like in the September, October, August kind of window. So if you could be patient, why not wait until like October, pay five bucks, and then get $10 off of, you know, two, three, four games, how many you want to buy, and then just keep the one, just get it for five bucks. And you would save yourself almost $40 if you're going to buy those games already. And I think that'd be a great deal. Plus, for that month, you can pay, play those free games you want to play. And I don't—I haven't heard really anyone talking about it from that perspective. I don't know if there's some, you know, loophole I'm missing. Well, it's not—I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it—if it's like PlayStation Plus, it would be you have to keep subscribing in order to keep playing those games. I don't think it's that for the games you buy for discounted prices, though. Hmm. As far as I know. I hope not. That would be even worse. Are yeah, you only obligated case. for one month then? Is that what you're saying? I think so. I think you could do it monthly. Okay. Hmm. Um, but then the other thing I was thinking about this is that I wonder if EA is sort of just kind of dipping their toe in the water and eventually they're going to use EA Access sort of like how uh, Sony has used PS Plus on the PS4 to lock out multiplayer in their games. And I wonder if they're eventually going to roll it out where you need to subscribe to Sony or sorry to EA Access to um, play online EA multiplayer games because I know that all EA games go through EA servers even if they have to like go through Microsoft servers first. So they do have the ability to sort of lock you out if you don't have this you know like unlock key essentially. So I wonder. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Do you think well, like, they have that with Origin already, right? Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't seem that far off from their strategy with Origin. They're they're trying to build their own storefront, build their own audience, and it seems like they're with this they're offering their core games that they know people like, and if they can get a bit of a discount in order to buy those customers and get them used to it, then yeah, they can they can kind of start building the wall, I guess. Mm. And they had that multiplayer thing with uh, with. Uh, some of their games already like i bought mass effect three used or two i don't remember which one which i wanted multiplayer for the first time and i couldn't play multiplayer because you had to pay extra to uh to play it and i didn't give a crap because i don't want to play it but um same kind of thing right it was it was a board like a like a gate that you had to pass through you had to get right, origin yeah. you had to sign up and you the online key it. or whatever yeah unless you bought it brand new and that was their incentive to stop used game sales but 
Right. Oh, there's so many origin games I want to play that I haven't played yet. <laughs> oh. You're gonna get on console, man. That way you can I can't avoid do it. it. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. So there's a subscription for Origin though? No, you they're like so you had to sign up and then if you bought a, the game new, then you got a key to play it online for free. And right. then if you bought it used, then you had to pay ten bucks to unlock the online mode. It's used gotcha. game tax basically, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. That was on yeah. consoles too though. It was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I, I really love PS Plus. I think it's it's really awesome, but I don't care enough about one particular publisher to have its own subscription just for their games. Like I'm not a big sports guy, I guess, for for yeah. gaming. But um, like I like PS Plus because you just get games you'd never you otherwise might play, right? Like I'll yeah. download whatever the hell's out that month and be like, oh, I'll check out whatever weird connector. I think it's a fair game. like value proposition, like if you're going to sign up for one of these subscriptions, right? Like the, the developer gets a consistent income because that, that they, they can predict, right? And you get a slight discount on, on games. And I think that's totally fair reciprocation if it's done well. But yeah, if it's the basis for something completely insidious, it should be avoided. <laughs> well, I mean, EA definitely has that reputation. But I do think there's a lot of people who only buy EA games. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? So well, yeah. there's probably a lot of people out there that would be interested in this. They got mass appeal, man. I also think it might have something for Frank in here because I'm reading the details, and it says that they will give uh, early release versions of games. Oh, yeah, yes. you get a week early. That's the other thing. Exclusives. Oh, snap. Well, I yeah, definitely you get a week early thought about access it. to any game. It ah uh, man, I'm I'm kicking myself right now. Why is that? I wish I would have gone full blown digital for this console era. <laughs> I, just, you don't. You love the boxes. No, I've changed my mind, man. Start clean, man. You can do it. No, I, it's, still it's too late. Enough. It's too late. <laughs> and it would have been, you know, it would have been perfect. It would have been perfect if these internet whiners didn't fuck up. The connect always on so I could play my games without having the disc in the system. I could have had my cake and I could have ate it too. But these fucking pussies ruined it for everyone. These cheap pieces of shit. And now I'm fucked and I got to change the disc every time I want to play a different game. So is this an example of what happens at Pixel Knots when Frank stops by? This is light. <laughs> I was going to say though, Frank, we were talking about fapping the other week and you were saying how much you value personal privacy okay. yeah so where does that sit with connect always on my friend yeah they're watching your balls well i you know what everyone thinks this is all partisan i know i'm a big conspiracy guy but i just don't think they're recording everything and why wouldn't it why so, wouldn't they because it would require a lot of data they're just recording money. the metadata how long you sit masturbating in front that's all but how do they know i'm masturbating and not just playing the game frank the are you just saying that because the connect's movements. looking at us it can tell your heart rate and your temperature. Well, and there's a you know what? I'm honestly masturbation threshold. I yeah. guess it would depend if it's metadata or not. If they just have That's... a record somewhere saying that I masturbated from here to there while playing Viva Pinata, I'm okay with that. I don't care. If they, I think if you masturbated a Viva Pinata, you'd be on some sort of list. Yeah, I think, I think they'd get why somebody knocking on your door. <laughs> no, I'm for pretty... Viva Pinata. <laughs> the, per... the animals fucking the game, man. <laughs> They I'm do a little dance. dance. Yeah, believe me. We know what's going on in Viva Pinata. But, <laughs> it, it, no. It, if they can actually rec they record me doing it, there, I, that's a different situation to me. Metadata, it's all good. Do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if they knew that about you, Frank, and Viva Pinata, the next 
like version would just have boobs and dicks. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this is what they want. They want pinata dicks. And Give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> just, just shake it and smack it and. Stuff yeah. comes out. So the the exclusivity, <laughs> the exclusivity thing. It was a bit intriguing, but I already own all the games. Like that's the problem. I own every game that they add to this collection already. So yep. why would I pay for EA Access? But you're. I don't think you're the target audience. For no, I'm that, definitely though. not. You're a collector, right? Yeah. And the collector never stops collecting. No. You know who should have a PS Plus type of thing is Nintendo. If they had a virtual console. Like subscription, which yeah. just like every virtual oh, console game dream. comes out. Oh my god, I would still pay for that. It'd be awesome. You know what though? I bet they're making so much money not doing that that they don't even care. <laughs> they're it's, like yeah. Disney, man. They put it in the vault. Put it in the vault. <laughs> Pull it out later. It's true. I've bought so many virtual console games. It's sad. I've doubled <laughs> up on some. Yeah, I don't oh, yeah. even play them. I've tripled up on some. See, okay, I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> Frank has drawn parallels between Nintendo and Disney and Apple many times. So he's well aware. Those three must merge. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like force some rings, dude. Is it like Kingdom Hearts, but with Nintendo characters? That's the Triforce. And Steve Jobs? It's the Triforce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I would play an RPG where I could be Link, like Mickey Mouse, and Steve Jobs fighting evil. Oh, fuck yeah, you would. <laughs> Steve Jobs would dominate. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ghost of Steve Jobs would be an awesome summon. <laughs> all right well uh we will get to gamergate uh in just a bit but why don't we jump into stuff we've played because i know people are just desperate to hear well mostly just frank's thoughts on destiny <laughs> might as well just start there frank so i'm the only one who's played destiny here right i think yes, so. yes. i've seen i've seen a video well i remember <laughs> I, I popped in Destiny. I'll, I'll say this. I'm only level 21. I haven't gotten into the heavy grind phase people talk about. But, you know, for me, I really enjoy Destiny. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I had been playing Diablo 3 before that, and I've messed around with some other MMOs. And the mechanics of Halo, essentially, combined with MMOs is intriguing to me because... I love the art, style, and ideas behind MMOs, but I don't necessarily like the gameplay. I don't find it that uh, compelling. I haven't played Guild Wars 2, so that might be an exception. But I love Halo. So to combine Halo and that type of looting atmosphere, it works for me. And especially if I'm playing with other people online, it works in the sense that I used to play horde modes in Gears of War and just multiplayer stopping waves of enemies. So at least in this context, it's, it's much more varied, right? I'm, you're doing different missions, strikes. It's the same idea. Kill a bunch of enemies and try not to die. But there's a, at least a bit of a progression element, and it's not as repetitive. And there's new stuff every week. So from that sense of a multiplayer shooter that's not necessarily competitive, I think it works really well. Now, I haven't gotten too much into the multiplayer yet, but even that, I like the PvP mechanics of an MMO are not that interesting to me. But Halo multiplayer is definitely a lot of fun. So at least I get that advantage of PvP in Destiny. Uh, so for me, it's a perfect fit. I can see how some people don't like it. Uh, it does get a bit grindy at times. And I, it's not a game that I sit down and play for six hours at a time. I usually play for two or three hours, get my fill, and then move on to something else. I'll admit the story is nothing amazing, but... 
I mean, I've been on this track before. The stories in a lot of games are not amazing. And I'd rather have little to no story of an amazing looking game, like where I'm just taking in the visuals, than having to watch cutscenes that I don't give a fuck about. And so, I mean, it just, it works for me. Everything about it kind of fits what I'm looking for in this type of game. It's very polished, looks amazing, has good mechanics, and a not too dense and overwhelming RPG system, which when you jump into games like WoW and even Diablo, it can can just be too much to take at one time. Destiny kind of leads you into it, and the interfaces are simple, clean, and very, very good-looking. Uh, so, I mean, I guess the thing with a lot of these kinds of games is that the the fun comes from interacting with other people, seeing the weird things that people come up with that, you know, the designers didn't really intend to happen. Like, is there stuff like that that you've been experiencing or what? Not really. It feels pretty controlled. Yeah? I've Maybe not in multiplayer. I haven't done a ton of competitive multiplayer, but in... The the single player missions and strikes I've done, it, it feels probably what they intended it to be like. It's not weird physics bugs and nonsense happening, which maybe is a downside to some people. For me, I, I don't care about that stuff. How's the AI? Well, this is where it would lose Huck for sure because they've definitely scaled back the AI. Now, I'm starting to play harder strikes and the AI is getting better, but for the basic stuff, it's not that intense and i think it's because uh there's it's it's a game that has to scale and people can move in and out of each other's games because it's open world so i could see someone else playing in their higher level so if if he could drag enemies and fall they follow him through the world and they i run into them and they kill me it would suck so there's definitely their enemies are contained areas and they are not that aggressive on the earlier levels, which I'm fine with. It, yeah, I can imagine it didn't that being get too a huge problem. Yeah, and I think I think you're uh, asking the right questions about like how's the AI in in a game like this. They definitely have to make cuts with AI. Yeah, I don't know how. I think that goes you, for any of those kinds of games. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as long as you're playing with other live players, that it buys you a lot of leeway. In terms of that, sure, right? yeah, yeah, and they co- they counteract that when as the difficulty ramps up, there's more enemies and yeah. more powerful enemies, and that's where it can get kind of boring, right? Like it's, I did a couple of strikes last night, and it's just wave after wave, and you know when I was done that strike, it was fun, but I'm done with Destiny tonight, and I know some people want a game that they can play for hours on end, and so do I sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Destiny is fun to pick up and play for a few hours. And, uh, you know, hook up with some friends for a bit and then move on to something else. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Borderlands, besides, I mean, it's more MMO-ish. Yeah, but it's definitely influenced by Borderlands. Right, same kind of deal, right? You, you Like, it's okay playing single player, but the heart of it was running around with a bunch of people, just shooting stupid dog creatures in the face, right? And, and that's it, right? It was they, they weren't overly complex enemies, but you just was there to be with other people. And, yeah. And, I, and it is kind of weird how much people embrace and love Borderlands and the reviews are amazing. And I like the game too, don't get me wrong. But it, it does feel pretty similar to Destiny, so I'm surprised there's... 
I, I feel like there's a negative attitude towards Destiny on the internet. It's Bungie. There's me, a lot of expectations. Yeah, so let me ask you this, right? Bungie basically separated themselves from Halo and said, we're done with Halo, we're not going to do Halo anymore. <laughs> yeah. So for them to basically have the first opportunity in, what, like 10 years or so to make a new IP, is it strange to you that it's so similar to Halo? Like, it really feels like Halo from the look of it. Oh, it does feel a lot like Halo, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, it seems like they're afraid to take a chance on actually being creative. Right? Or, if you look at their you history... Know, it's, it's not clear, because it could have been Activision, right? Like, we don't know been. what they were doing. and It could have been. If you look at their history, though, going back to... I think it was their second game the crucible or whatever marathon oh marathon uh derndale or yeah yeah has a very similar look to both halo and exactly so who's that to say is halo copying that game which now destiny is copying halo Halo? definitely so so. i mean if anything is it halo or is it bungie's first person shooters you have to give some credit to them it's bungie yeah yeah it's true but it just if they felt that way, like if they're just going to make the same thing anyways, why bother separating yourself from Halo? Why didn't they just make a Halo MMO? So they can get rich. Money. <laughs> not Microsoft. Yeah. Money and multiple consoles. Yeah. We're going to start and, our own company. Yeah. People want us. People love us. Give us the cash, Activision. From the makers of Halo. We'll, not quite Halo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. But really, it's Halo. I yeah. will say this. I went to a midnight launch just because I was driving home from Sean's place after a podcast. Not a lot of people. No, no, it was very easy to get the game, and uh, I, I was second person in line, and I got there just before it opened. And well, yeah. they were so talking that, about it was good for me. They they did say that it sold quite a bit, right? I forget the exact number, but I mean, I don't know. Those press releases come out for all the major games now, and it's like, yeah, we sold this many, fastest to this many, or whatever. But I mean, I, for me, it seems like. Uh, I don't necessarily blame them for doing something similar to Halo because, I mean, this is what they do best. They're kind of taking that and then applying it to the MMO space, as you guys have been saying. And I don't think there was anyone really doing that at this point. Uh, So I think that's kind of unique. But, I mean, my question for Frank is, you know, we've been talking for the last year or so now about these next-gen consoles and how everybody's waiting for the the next-gen experience. You know, there's been a lot of rehashing and remastering of previous games, but while people wait for, like, what's that next... What's the real, you know, next-gen game that's going to show us what these platforms can do? And I guess Titanfall was kind of one example of that on Xbox One, and for a long time, Destiny and Titanfall were side-by-side as, like, the two big games to wait for, so... Is it a next-gen experience, or is it kind of lacking in that regard? Well, is it out on Xbox 360 and PS3 yet? It is, yeah. So, I mean, by default, my answer is no, yeah, <laughs> because the experience exists. I would say visually, it's amazing. I mean, I still don't feel like... I, I'd say this and Infamous Second Son are closest to uh, the next-gen, the most next-gen experiences I've had. Yeah. And even that's not saying a lot. I still haven't been wowed by a game, uh, techn- technically. I want to see Sunset Overdrive. That game I'm, looks hella pretty. Yes, I am so excited for that game. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason why there's some neg- negativity out there is I think a lot of people who haven't played MMOs are picking this game up because they're, they're seeing it as this is the blockbuster game for the next-gen consoles. 
and then they sit down to play it and it's like an MMO. So there's, there's, you know, just a lot of repetition and stuff like that. And that's just the nature of the beast. But I think a lot of people didn't know that's what they were signing up for. And that's a problem. And I talked about this at pixel nuts, I think, right. Or it might've been with you, Sean. I don't know. Uh, I think that's why they had such an extensive beta and free beta process to quell expectations in a sense of story and what this game is. And for people who don't know what an MMO is, get it out there so that maybe they're not the reviews and talk on the internet isn't even worse when the game comes out. Cause at least they know what it is and aren't completely shocked by there's no story for this game. I don't, I just shoot stuff all day. So I think that the beta was a calculated part of the release of this game. I agree with you. People poop themselves over the Halo storylines, right? And to see Bungie put out something that's not story-focused, that's probably a lot of the big backlash for it. Yeah. I just want to weigh in for a quick second. This is slightly off topic. The best Bungie game ever made was Myth and its sequel, Myth 2. And it's an RTS, and none of you guys have played it, and it's way better than Halo. And that's it. I'm done. Those Fortran trolls are going to get you. I'd drop the mic if it wasn't on a stand. Now, I, I can usually... I'm assuming Chris is being sarcastic. Not right? at all. No? He's no. not. He Test loves it. Test me. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were being sarcastic. No, his friend's like remaking the game. They're bananas Oh, my it. God. They're still patching it. It's the greatest. <laughs> all right. So let's... Uh, Frank... The big question, Destiny or Titanfall? Oh, it's got to be Destiny. I've barely touched Titanfall. It's not that it's bad. It just didn't hook me. Destiny, much better looking game. Uh, For me, more fun. Has competitive and cooperative stuff that's a little more interesting. And I'm I'm getting hooked. I'm not hooked yet, but I'm getting there. And we talked about it a lot this weekend. We're going to play some more. You know, it's it's got some staying power. I thought a lot of people seem to be done with it at level 20 and discarding. I am feeling compelled to stick around and get better with the game. What's the level cap? 20, and then you hit, get up to 30 only by improving your gear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I'm still ex- learning the nuances of that, and I think that's part of the grind problem a lot of people talk about online. And... I wouldn't disagree. And that if you if you want a game you can play constantly, it's this probably isn't the game for you. I saw something that they just came out with their first raid thing. And well, yeah, the the the, the strikes, the legendary strikes, because you have to be level twenty or twenty two, I think, to do those. So they were giving people time to do those before they dropped them in the game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're doing like events, right? Once yeah. in a while. That's the one thing I like. It feels like. Again, we'll get I'm exclusivity in Windows for stuff. It feels like there's stuff that's expiring all the time, new stuff, and if you want to do it, it's it's so, not uh, too confusing to see like what's out there, and it's not uh, too much stuff either. It's enough stuff that you can handle new events and kind of understand what you have to do. This is like a fixed price. Yes. So how long are they planning on doing... Like new events, or is, is as it long set? as they make money <laughs> off the game, All right? And I'm sure they'll have DLC that costs money. Hats. So opening up <laughs> new planets and stuff like that. I'm I'm assuming there will be purchased DLC as well. Hats. Right. Gotta be. So it's it's a sixty dollar flat rate. It's not a monthly. Oh yeah, seventy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Do you need gold or whatever the hell? 
Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's possible that they're getting a bit of that cash then to, to finance that? Maybe. I doubt it, but... Probably getting like 10 cents or something per person. At least but it's on... Unless they're getting PlayStation Plus money, too. Right. Yeah, I don't know how it works. Yeah. It just... It's just interesting, like to maintain something like that. You know, you'd think it would cost a lot of cash, unless they're just recycling. Oh yeah, and when you see the gear and stuff, and I mean, even I, from what I saw in Two Human too, like it doesn't seem like on the surface there's a lot there, but in terms of how many armor sets and custom stuff and stuff, like it's enormous how much uh, artist work has to go into games like that mm-hmm. and making stuff look unique and cool and fitting together and all these systems that need to be developed to make sure things look right together with different attachable pieces. And that's what destiny is going for is gear is supposed to be the, the driving force for this game throughout time. Right. And if that's, that takes tons of art and money to make that gear cool looking and have a lot of it. Yeah. It's a big upfront cost. eh? Yeah. You got to know it's going to be successful, which I mean, something like Bungie makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. I, I heard about this. I don't know if this was just like for the, the beta or what, but I had heard that they actually, Bungie actually employs people who kind of watch the, the live games happening and they have the power to kind of like change and tweak variables as people are playing have you heard anything about this frank like dungeon masters like hunger games kind of yeah like like a dungeon master like yeah if, you know these guys are playing good together i'll throw an extra loot a little bit of extra loot their way or maybe they're uh it's too easy so i'll bump up the uh the boss's you know hit points or something have never heard of this no That'd be nope. pretty cool just throw some dragons down. if that does exist i hate it <laughs> <laughs> That definitely sounds like a beta thing. I can't see them because you have a limited audience, so you can actually watch probably yeah. a, a more reasonable uh, cross section of the games. But now that it's out to like who knows how many million people, it would be impossible. Well, even yeah, in terms of as a test, right? If it, people are finding it too easy, just once in a while cranking it up really hard and seeing how bad it is, or if they find it rewarding in a way for tweaking gameplay. I would think, you know, because it is something that's constantly needs to be maintained and tweaked, I, like, I don't know. They've got to be monitoring things in some way. I don't know if they actually have people interacting. Metadata, man. Metadata. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's all about the metadata. That's, that's, that's the next Matrix movie, Sean. <laughs> yeah. The, metadata. the guy who can read the metadata. Meta he sees the world through metadata. He <laughs> doesn't, doesn't even see the code anymore. Yeah. <laughs> blonde, brunette. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's go around the table and talk about games we've played so um alex what do you got for us uh i just got a kind of got a ps4 so i started playing infamous uh, i'm a huge infamous fan so it's really nice finally getting to jump into second son and i agree with frank it's like it's super pretty but you could tell it's uh you know it's a first kind of draft of the next gen kind of games I remember when the 360 came out and the games looked really nice, but you could still tell they weren't, like, really pushing the system. Uh, so, the, I mean, the game's awesome. It looks super pretty, you know, especially the uh, on the particle side. You could tell they really pushed it on, on that. Um, my favorite thing about the game so far is probably the loading screen. <laughs> it's just, like, a little circle, and it's just an effect just spiraling, like, spiraling in circles. Really? I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's silly, but it, it's, it's like the... Um, what uh, what's it called? Oh, uh, Last, uh, of Last of Us? Last of Us, right, with just the particles. It's silly, ever. right, but... 
but no, it's super fun. I mean, it's infamous. There's nothing really different about it so far. You run and jump and shoot people stuff. Yeah, but so. that, the difference with me is how fast you run and walk. No, it's traverse. Awesome. Yeah. The traversal system, how far are you? Not very far. Just the first couple chapters. Do you have one power still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. You're gonna, your head's going to explode. Yeah, but it already feels a lot better. <laughs> like You could tell they're, they're ramping it up compared to the first infamous. You could tell they, they were like, you know what? A lot of the, the fans are going to play this game, so they're going to they're gonna get in there running, and it's going to be too slow for them if they, just, yeah. if they stick to the old stuff. So they, they've ramped it up each time, and it's awesome. I mean, a lot of those games do that, right? Assassin's Creed did that, too. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed, like, 2 compared to the first one is night and day. But, no, it's awesome. I've been playing a lot of that. Played Guacamelee, uh, a lot of Nintendo Maybe. games. Uh, just played Super Metroid <laughs> again. Um, and Mario nice. Kart. I'm playing the hell out of Mario Kart. Looking forward to the DLC. So Alex is good at Mario Kart. I'm okay. He beats me <laughs> every time. <laughs> I play a lot. No, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's probably my favorite Mario Kart since Mario Kart um, sixty four or Six, the DS 64. one. You're speaking my language. No, sixty four is awesome, but the DS one was was probably oh that would be like five, I think, or five or something. That came out before Double Dash, I think. Did it? Yeah, I don't remember. That one was awesome. It had it was just solid. It had a good online system, really good tracks, really good co op kind of system. <clears throat> But Mario Kart super impressive in this one. It doesn't feel as rubber bandy. Like I hated the Wii one. I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. Um, so this one, this one feels really solid. Nice. I agree. Now, as a Nintendo fanboy, what's your take on the battle mode? Controversial oh, battle mode. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> and like the two DLCs that they announced, I was so psyched that they might actually announce a proper battle mode. I don't understand why they just redo some tracks. Just put four friggin' tracks in there. The, the stupid battle mode yeah. in a race track is the worst. Well, I've I've gone on rants of pixel knots. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's the worst thing ever. How how long would it take a kid in Minecraft to build the basic square? Yeah, it's four ba- friggin' cubes. It, it's right? a like, day yeah. of work. Give me a fucking break. They already have the model. They just have to reimport block for it, man. Yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah, they have all the assets. Just do it. Like I fucking hate Nintendo. That'll be the next <laughs> DLC pack. They didn't want to blow their load too soon. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. That'd be really really cool. So. Yeah, stupid battle mode. I haven't played it. I, I mean, I played like once, and it was stupid. Didn't even bother. It's just too too long and boring. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris, what do you got? Uh, I don't have a big AAA game, but uh, I've been playing this game. Uh, what's it called? Gang, gang Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really hard game to remember the name of. It's awkward. Yeah, but, it sounds uh, kind of. It's kinda a double gross. fine published game that's on early release on Steam right now. And I say I've been playing it. It's more like we've been playing it. Uh, it's a multiplayer uh, arena wrestling game where you play these like loose sack kind of characters that with like really loose uh, physics on them. And you basically beat the shit out of each other and try and, once you're unconscious, pick each other up and throw each other into various hazards in the different arenas. So they have like... One of them, you're on, like, uh, window-cleaning scaffolding, and you can... I mean, everything in there is breakable, but you can smash the cables and knock a whole cable car down, or they have one that takes place on, like, a Ferris wheel, and uh, you can jump off and hang on to different parts of it or try and drag people off with you. Or So it's it's eight-player, and I think... what What's the max we got? We got, like, five people today. I think that was the most yeah. we had. Um, eight arenas, and like I said, it's it's been picked up and published by by Double Fine, and it's it's kind of in early release right now, so it's not really that um, polished. 
But I don't know. That's kind of the appeal with something like that. Like I, I really got addicted uh, when we were working at Silicon Knights. Uh, we had access to developer network um, on Xbox, and we used to just download all these crazy multiplayer games. Uh, some in some instances co-op, but like we played bomber. We played the hell out of Bomberman every single day. Oh yeah, uh, Explosion Man, uh, like <laughs> Trials, just all these kind of like wacky, far out. Ten dollar physics games. I have. I should have wrecked. I didn't get this before. What's that? Chris loves trials. I love yeah. trials. <laughs> the physics feel of Gangies <laughs> is, is similar to trials. Totally, totally. I didn't pick up on that. Before. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've had. I've been having a lot of fun with that, and it's uh, to be honest, like couch co op games or couch uh, multiplayer games like that. It's for me. It's more about you know, the people that are around you than how polished the game is. And it's, it's, yeah, it's been a great time. Just like trash talking. It's a lot of screaming. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of death threats. Sean loves games like that. He's probably trash talking games. No, you love local co-op. This game's for you. I do like local co-op. It's pretty awesome. The game has like really awesome, but terrible controls at the same time. It's like co-op meets wrestling. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, I uh, like I said, I picked up Tomb Raider a while back, and, and I've been working my way through that. Um, I'm a cheap gamer, so it's a little bit late, but... Still not done that? No, I'm not finished <laughs> yet. I'm not finished yet. You know what? Everybody in this room seems to love Tomb Raider. Yep. I just want to say there's one thing that really bugged me about Tomb Raider, and it, it really bugs me about the new one, too. They're really getting close... Um, to that uncanny valley. Like, they keep moving towards uh, realistic-looking characters, realistic-looking environments, uh, all their facial animation in the new trailer. Um, they're, they're, they're definitely pushing for realism. But everything that the character does is, like, comic booky, cartoony. She's She's not a real person, right? Like, she can leap off a 50-foot cliff and catch with a pickaxe, no problem. And I, I just feel like it's this weird dichotomy that's like they can't decide what type of game it is, and it's that bugs me. I think that's just sexist, Chris. Women, women can do. <laughs> women, things. you're right. You're right. It is sexist of me to think. That. <laughs> I um, thought you were uh, going the direction of you're going to say that it looks so realistic that it bothered you that she takes so much abuse in the game because I've heard that complaint from a lot of people. No, uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> if any is the abuse. <laughs> no, I I find uh, I find them like it's it's I don't know what you would say. Uh, they're they're really trying to hit up that avenue, right? They're trying to make you feel for the character, but it feels to me it feels manipulative. Like they're really trying to beat her up every single chance they get, and it gets ridiculous. Like to the point where. Uh, I guess I would compare it to something like if you're watching violence in a movie, there's only so much violence you can see before it gets funny. Like if you're watching Army of Darkness, he falls into the pit and 8,000 liters of blood shoots out. It's no longer, oh my God, what happened to that man? It's that's ridiculous, right? And so for her, like every five minutes, she's breaking, like dislocating her shoulder or like getting a fucking piece of wood jammed up in her jaw or like falling through a burning building and it's just like okay nobody nobody can survive this and the realistic take that they take on everything kind of throws me off on that anyways 
that was a big long rant but what i'm trying to say was i really like the game (laughs) (laughs) uh i find it interesting the mechanics i feel like they definitely took uh uh, the best of things like Uncharted. Uh, I actually feel a lot like there's a lot of Darksiders influences in the game, um, which is uh, obviously from Zelda as well. Uh, Darksiders was trying to to take a lot from Zelda. So, um, but I, I just like um, the the types of mechanics that they come up with in the game, like the craggy rocks that you can um, you can climb, like the the rope covered areas that you can uh, grappling hook. Um, being able to like grappling hook people and and like you're upgrading your your weapons and like your pickaxe and your bow and stuff like that's all really interesting and yeah I'm having a really good time playing it and I haven't beat it yet. Hey, have you beat Bioshock Infinite yet? No, <laughs> <laughs> I borrowed Alex's Bioshock Infinite. Like <laughs> it must have been a year now. It's when you got your PlayStation. Oh man, that was that was Christmas. Yeah, so it'll be a year in December. <laughs> Wasn't that on beat the damn game? It's awesome. <laughs> I thought that game was on PlayStation Plus. It was. So you could probably give the game back, right? Oh, I don't care. I have it on PC, too. But I just want him to beat the damn game. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that's it for me. Cool. Huck City? So in my limited playing time over this past, like, four months, yep. I haven't played really anything. But I have been putting in uh, a little time into... I think I talked about it a couple shows ago, Rogue Legacy I got back into, which is like super quick pick up and play. So when I'm waiting for stuff to happen, I can just pick up a game and play. It's real nice. Um, and then I bought... Well, before you move on, I think, Frank, yeah. did you not... Uh, when that came that? out on PlayStation 4, I played it. Uh, I was addicted to that game. I played yeah, it's it great. About, about four days straight. I think I logged 40 hours, yeah, 50 hours in two weeks in that game. Holy cow. Frank? Yeah. Did that game come out on PlayStation at the same time as PC? No. no. Did you buy PC first. Did you buy a new gaming PC? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I wanted... Now if there was a new... Ex- I would consider getting a new PC for Rogue Legacy 2. All right. Because <laughs> I absolutely wow. love that game. And I, the only thing... I found the, the second versions of the bosses way too hard. Did you beat any of those, Andrew? No, I've only beaten one boss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's okay. how little I've played. I can't get any further but okay. i still love it i mean the hook of going back into the dungeon is just so addictive and it's just not frustrating it's one of those games where you play it and you never get pissed off at the game for cheating you get pissed off at yourself for yeah. you know screwing something up it's just it's really tight controls like that um did you guys and, uh did you guys play ftl at all yes no. you all right just wondering <laughs> I, I need to because this good. definitely has sparked my interest for roguelikes but i haven't played anymore so how much did it spark it is the question. <laughs> it's okay we're gonna have to play lots of those in the coming months anyways yeah fdl is a lot, little more slow than uh than rogue legacy um the other games i've played though were from the humble bundle 11 i think i purchased and it had uh Papers, Please, which I know is a big indie game that came out, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago now. And basically you play as like some sort of made-up Russian-ish border guard. And basically the whole premise is you take people's passports and then compare them with the official, what they need to have, and then you either let them in or you don't. And then they, and then they kind of throw in all these little twists like, 
oh, there was a bombing, so now I need this extra security card that you need to check, which then increases the amount of stuff you need to check, and you get uh, you get paid based on the amount of people that you let in correctly. And then there's this whole side thing where you have a family at home and you need to make money to pay for food and rent and heat or that people start dying. So it's like this weird sort of like you're stressed to let people in, but then you're also stressed to make sure you don't screw up. So it's essentially a communism simulator. Kind of, yeah. Essentially, and th- yeah. And then they throw in these things where there's like this secret order and if you help them, they'll like start smuggling you extra money. But then you could get caught, and there's like this, all these like branching story paths you could take. It, it's pretty, it's pretty engaging actually. I I threw it on just because I knew it got a lot of hype when it came out, and didn't expect to like it. But I'm actually liking it quite a bit. You were ready to hate it. I was ready to hate it. <laughs> hate indie games. It's pretty cool. It sounds like my childhood in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and then the other game I played, which I was, which was also in this humble bundle which I was challenged by Frank last show to play, was Gone Home, which I believe I beat... In about, <laughs> I believe I beat this game in about an hour and ten minutes. It's not so a it's game. It's not a long game. But <laughs> um, my first thought is, I don't know how this game has such a high Metacritic score right now. Yeah, I think it's like 86 or 83... Metacritic score, which is just ridiculous to me. It's art, man. It's art. It's because it's a lesbian love story. It's a walking simulator. It it's really is a walking. This is like, and it's a lame lesbian love story. Like I said before, <laughs> it is Degrassi Junior High love story, and the fact that people in the games industry view this as progression and story progression and art, I think, is a problem. It it should be so far beyond that at this point that that's a big deal. I mean, we're going to talk about Gamergate in general, but the fact that we're singling this game out at first says things about the industry as a whole, and second, the people commenting on it, it says something about, too, that if you if you looked at this and thought this was ma- a mature, thoughtful, artistic piece of video games, that says something about you, because it isn't. I I can respect the idea of bringing those themes forward in games, but at least do it at a different level or something that doesn't feel kind of childish and poorly written in my opinion. I, I don't know. I, my problem again, isn't that it's not a game. It's the story itself. I, this is a story game. It's pretty much, do you like the story or not in my opinion? And I think people are giving it a free pass because it is a controversial topic being introduced in games but if you really look at the story, it is not a good story at all. I the think, fact that somebody says that it's controversial says something about them. That's what exactly, you were saying earlier, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that, oh, we need to... I agree we need to push these themes in games, but uh, I would, I'd like to see it done well and maybe not where it's the point of the game, right? It should just be part of the game, not yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why and, does it have to be a surprise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why do you have to mask it under it, this idea of it's a mystery and maybe it's... They they do kind of pretend like it's uh, almost a horror game, yeah, at yeah. least in the beginning, until yeah, you yeah. realize what's happening. So at least embrace that theme and have the game be about that, not that to be the stinger at the end. Well, that's the thing. The reason why they want it to be a surprise is because they they were of the opinion that it was going to shock people. Yeah. Right? And that kind of takes away any 
high ground they would have had in the first place in, in choosing that as their theme. Honestly, the reason I think it's successful, like, I, I mean, I didn't really like it either, but it's, there isn't a lot of games out there like that where you just walk around and listen to a story. And so, yeah, maybe it's not the best written thing. It's not by, done by the people that can do it best. Um, but nobody else is willing to do it and, and give it a try, right? And, yeah, you, you play through it, and it makes you feel like something bad's going to happen, even though it, it probably isn't. Um, it made you feel something. And I think a lot of the people who did review it and did feel something for it was just the fact that it was a game. It didn't have to have fighting or mechanics or gameplay or, or running on cliffs. Um, but you just walk around and still get something from it. I think that's its actual value. I think the actual story and all that stuff, I agree with you, isn't well done. But it's, it's, an, it's an opening, right? Games like that and Stanley Parable and Dear Esther. Like, you know, Stanley Parable seems kind of cool. But the rest of them, they're mediocre. But they're opening the door that for other people to make something out of it. We just need a name for stuff like that that's not game. Because yeah, yeah, like, for sure. Like, you have a certain level of expectation, or at least I do when I play a game, uh, that I want to be entertained, right? And when I find the actual act of going through gathering this story to be completely inconsequential, just boring and tedious... Then Why couldn't you just have read just a short read story? read a book. No, it should no, have been I a short story. It yeah. should have been a short film. What, it, it could have been an episode of Degrassi, right? Yeah. Like, like why... The, the reason to make it a game is just because that's the, the sexy you know, medium yeah. right now. It's the first step to a holodeck. It's, it's where eventually it'll be you know, interactive and you can actually do stuff with it. We just don't have that kind of, A, technology for it, and B, the money behind it to do something that complex. Yeah. Like if, if Rockstar or something did... You know, put five hundred million dollars into a, a walk around, find a story game. It'd probably be pretty kick ass, but those people aren't willing to take the risk for it. It's called uh, L.A. Noir. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And it's right? okay. Yeah. It's not that great. Yeah, <laughs> but I think honestly, like the thing that that actually made me really dislike it was just the hype behind it. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's just everybody to, and I'm not talking about like like people whose opinions I don't respect. Like friends I've had for a long time, and I really trust their gaming opinions telling me that this game blew them away and that it was something new and different and I just didn't get any of that from playing the game. Well, the reason I didn't hate it as much as you guys is because I heard how much it sucked. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like you guys <laughs> you guys told me it was the worst thing ever and I played it and I'm like, oh, this was kind of cool, I guess. Like you got to see a little story and it was contrived and your actions meant nothing but it had a cool atmosphere to it and whatever, right? And it was mainly because I thought it was going to be a big pile of crap. Yeah. And it was, but not as stinky as I thought. I mean, Would I will give it some yeah. credit that, like, the depth of the story that you got, like, you could get things out of it by exploring that not everybody would get. Yeah, and that you couldn't from, like, a book, Which right? is and some like level yeah. of interactivity, but no more interactivity than you would get from a choose-your-own-adventure. The only thing that you get from a game versus a book is that, um, and even though Gone Home is a bad example because it was just a fucking house, is that... In a book, you have to imagine things, right? People have to write stuff for you, and you have to make that stuff up. In a game, we get to tell people what to see, what things look like, what things sound like, what music's playing, right? So we get to, to show all that to them. And it's like a mix between a... Like I, th I think it's a good first step to a mix between a movie and a game where we can show them exactly what they can do, but they get to participate in a little bit more than just sitting there. Yeah. And I feel it's a good first step, and that's kind of why I didn't hate it that much. But I agree. As a, like, if you call it a game, it's a terrible game. Yeah, because right? uh, mechanics wise, you don't do anything. You just like it's a pixel clicker. Like you're just clicking on things, hoping that they work, and that sucks. So, I, I agree with that. If calling it a game is stupid. It should just be an interactive story or some crap. I mean, 
I think what bugs me is that the I, I think it's a game. I think the gameplay is fine. I think to call it a game is fine. I think I knew what it was rated. I knew that it was about like a lesbian love story, which I'm fine with. I don't care. That is a fine story to tell. But when I got it, <laughs> the gameplay was actually like just like Alex just said, walking and pixel hunting. Yeah. There was I think there was one puzzle and it involved opening a locker combination. I was yeah, just yeah. expecting yeah, yeah. more for such a like critically acclaimed game. Yeah. Um I was expecting more puzzles. Like even the even the fact that you didn't even have to write anything down or remember anything. The fact that like when you found a clue that said there's a secret panel here you just looked at your map and there was an X drawn exactly where it was and you just yeah. went and clicked it and it opened. Like there's so much more they could have done with that mechanic. Even if they had fun. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Andrew. And they could have had two modes even, right? Gamer mode and just story mode, right? Sure. Where you know, maybe they add a few more puzzles. I it feels like and I I agree that they streamlined puzzles and how that works. And I feel their justification would be, we did that to put the focus on the story and not have you wondering what to do, but to advance this story. That's the whole point of the game. Yeah. But I mean, there's people who want to have stuff happen too, and be, like have to think about things and exactly. do puzzles. And it's might not be that kind of game, but I think they could have almost had two settings on the game yeah. to appeal to both types of people. Well, do you guys play PT? No. No? No. I feel that that's a good extra step to it. It was just all you did was walk around the hallway. It was just a loop. And you just did this loop over and over. But um, there was like a little Man, bit of puzzle Frank, in there. You that, had to look around. Frank, didn't we have a game idea like that? I feel like we talked about I, that I, once, I didn't. Where there was a movie or something where it was just a, a time loop. And we were talking about that it would be like the perfect setup for a game. Because you could keep going and trying different things each time through. I don't know. Anyway. Groundhog Day? <laughs> Maybe. And that's yeah. kind of what Rogue Legacy is. Yeah. Matures, man. In a way. But, yeah. So PT <laughs> is the playable trailer. Teaser, trailer, whatever. Yeah, the, the Silent Sil Hill. The new Silent Hill game, right. Yeah, and all you do is walk around and there's a couple little puzzles you can solve. There's like a, I think there's like 10 different ways to beat it. Um, but for the most part, it's just experiencing the, the horror of it and the, the kind of scary stuff they throw on there. Uh, but there is puzzles, so at least, and they don't tell you anything. You just have to figure them out. There's not and a map some, that says no. the puzzle is right here. <laughs> no. and there and click it. <laughs> like, some of them are really stupid. There's, like, a picture hunting one, and they hide, like, piece of picture in the hallway. And there's, like, there's, some of them are just hitting, like, really stupid pixel-clicking kind of ways, too. But at least there's a little bit of something to it. Anyways, yeah, you guys I, check it out. At the very I least, it looks really pretty. I've been meaning to check it out. I did download it, but uh, I, I didn't. I'm the only one, I guess, who hasn't played Gone Home here, and I actually feel like I'm. I, I think I'm going to love it. Like let's just <laughs> let's just put it out there. It's only but, an hour, so you will. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, I think I'm kind of uh, well. I'm I'm kind of with Alex in that. Like it, it sounds like the reason why it's been praised and why I kind of like the idea of it anyway. It's just that it's. It's not about shooting people. It's not, you know, action martial arts. Like, it's just telling a story. And I think we need to see more stuff like that. Uh, clearly, it seems like this is not the high end of what can be done with that. But uh, I just, I'd like to see more stuff like that. So I would say for me, 
I was actually enjoying it for the first like 15 or 20 minutes or so. But then when nothing else new was introduced, there was no progression of any kind of game mechanics. I just kind of didn't understand the point of the game anymore. I mean, telling a story doesn't have to take an hour and a half when you're just adding hallways in between each story point. You could have yeah. just made this game a 10-minute game. Yeah. And it, it would have the same effect with less, like, stupid random stuff to pick up. Yeah, because a, a good game house. makes you learn something throughout the whole game. You never stop learning until it's over. Yeah, And a good no book of... is like that, too, right? Like, you, there's always something to figure out or to, to rethink or, or yeah. like, second It'd guess, It'd be like right? playing a Mario game where the only two mechanics were jump and run. Yeah. And you never yeah. got any powers. You never had any new enemies. Like, the same enemy... Ca- it was only the mushroom guys. It'd be the boringest game after ten minutes. Yeah, once you once you master it, there's no point playing it, right? Yeah, we're so, kind of talking know. about the first Mario Brothers right now, which is amazing. Well, no, I mean they had. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they had firepower and swimming and That's different true. enemies. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's what right? I mean. If you didn't have that, it would be boring. What about Did the star? original original Mario Brothers? Oh, the what Donkey Kong Mario Brothers. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, like Mario. Welcome to the show. Not, no, show. not Super Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, like, like the fighting game almost? Yeah. Yeah. That one has no oh, underwater yeah. swimming or mushrooms or anything There's competition, like that. though. So you have a changing it. It's, it's pretty good, though. It is Screen pretty Screen rapping. Right. But that's like an MMO or like a... Yeah, it's an MMO. <laughs> it's better than Destiny. <laughs> a Mario MMO. Holy shit, man. You just... That would be amazing. Before we get uh, too far off Gone Home, I have, a, I have a question for you guys. I don't know how far you guys get into spoilers and stuff like that, but it would, would it ruin the game for your listeners if I told you what one of the things I thought the game was going to cover that it didn't? Well, we've already ruined and said it's a lesbian love story. All right, yeah, so I think it's all... It's ruined completely. That okay, is the all right, end of the sweet. Game. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so when I was about, uh, I'm going to say halfway through the game, uh, and bear in mind I was told by all my gaming friends... Like it'll just the story will blow you away. The climax is amazing. I wrote. I actually said to Alex, "I'm like, I know what the ending of this game is. I know what's going to happen." And I wrote it down on a piece of paper and put it on a shelf right by Ooh. his desk. <laughs> and I'm Do like, "Do you have the same power as Frank, by any chance?" Apparently not, because I was absolutely fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but my prediction for the game, which I think would have been a much more compelling and interesting story would be uh that they weren't able to reconcile uh their lesbian differences and the problems that they had with their family i was expecting to go up into the attic uh at the end and find my sister had hung herself and i thought that that would have been a really interesting uh climax to it and just not having any of that come true it just like it's almost more degrassi in a way though it would have been would have <laughs> definitely is, been more shocking how many games really tackle the idea of suicide like i can't think of many uh braid talks about it a little bit but i just thought well, it would have been there if that, they're really going uh, for a story that covers that, issues yeah yeah depression quest game which uh oh, okay, will come up right. during Gamergate. yeah we have but, a suicide button in our screen in our game nice. <laughs> we encourage suicide yeah <laughs> Not kidding, it's in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we kind of hammered it for what it is. I mean, 
There's nothing more to say about Gone Home, really. I don't know. Oh, I still okay. Am amazed there is one more thing to say about Gone Home. I oh, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. This Chris knows what I'm going to say. I'll let him say it. No, you say it. Let me write it down on a piece of paper, and okay. then you can say it. <laughs> Does it refer to a game we've been talking about previously? Yes. Yes. That Gone Home oh exists in the same universe as Bioshock, when that story came out afterwards. Oh that was my the most God. pretentious garbage ever. That yeah. just makes me want to fucking yeah. snap. Fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote. Yes. So, I don't know if you guys heard that story, but they like. I forgot what it was. They wrote something in the game, or there was like a book was, or a mention. There was a video game that was a reference to something, and so it basically they're like, "Oh well, since that exists in this and exists in Bioshock, they're like in the same universe." And oh, it's just and everyone so in the world is, was like, "No, no, it's not." This is like fans saying that, or this is the creator of the game. Cre- so the creators. One of the creators did work for. Um, what are they called? Bioshock Two, dudes. Two uh, K. Uh, yeah, the radical, yeah. irrational games. Irrational, irrational games. Come on, yeah. you suckers. So they they did work for them, but loosely, I think. I don't mm. know. Anyways, yeah. it was it was stupid. So yeah. basically, it was Bioshock fan fiction. Yeah, pretty Correct. much. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, except everybody in this game somehow looked different than all of the characters in Bioshock. <laughs> nice. And there are no character models at all in this game. But there's but there's photos of characters. Where they look completely realistic. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But those can be artists' interpretations. Yeah, when you take a picture in the Bioshock universe, it realizes you. <laughs> You're no longer cartoonly proportioned. Well, what if you went to somebody's house and the only photos they had were of Picasso drawings? And you're That's like, not oh, a photo. Yeah, but so these are these weren't photos either. They were like They're drawings. photos of. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're hired for her PR team. Yes. All right, Hawk City, that's it for you? That's all you. Frank, you have other stuff to talk about, right? Uh, Not a ton. I'll just say, played some Diablo 3, liked it. Played Rogue Legacy, loved it. Played Madden 15, pretty good. NHL 15, not bad. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Uh, Child of Light. Why don't you talk about it right now? No, Child of Light, love that game. (laughs) Oh, shit, I got to play that. It's amazing. Uh, Played Valiant Hearts. That's kind of a game that's similar to Gone Home as a story game, Mm. but actually has some puzzle stuff, and I thought it was really good. I want to play that game. I also love the UbiArt engine in it. Yeah, those guys are bastards. I love that fucking stuff. Did you you play it on console or on iOS? Uh, Xbox One. (laughs) Nice. And I'll finish off with Shadow of Mordor, which I played for an hour today. It's basically, you can, it's made by, or published by WB, Warner Brothers. Yeah. I'm assuming they've got some shared code from Batman. Could be wrong. But uh, the combat is extremely similar. Uh, the vision, uh, it, it basically feels like Arkham Asylum meets Assassin's Creed skinned with uh, Lord of the Rings. And it, the the thing they add to it, they're, the new thing they're bringing to the table is the idea of uh, the orcs having leaders and an uh, an org chart, essentially, of, of orcs. An orc chart. How did I not come up with that? <laughs> uh, and you can find out intel about them and stop the power struggle by getting critical information and learning about where to find the most powerful... Uh, people that or orcs that if you kill them it has bigger consequences and gives you more RPG stuff and helps shut down 
the orcs in the world. I'm just scratching the surface with that system right now, but it is kind of a cool idea and gives you motivation to travel to different areas and target different guys. And in the case of like the, the interrogation system in the Arkham games pretty much leads to unlocking stuff on the map. It kind of adds a bit more consequence and to the interrogation system and finding key guys in the world. And so far it's pretty good. I could see, Apparently, when people die, others will fill their spot, and that's one of the cool things. Guys you encounter later, or if a guy kills you, will ascend higher because he killed you, and he's a notable, and cool. there's this kind of progression with enemies, in a sense, which is kind of interesting, and I, I, I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. Now, the enemies are randomly generated I believe as well, so, right? yeah. 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 Which they is, generate names for yeah, them and exactly. everything. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Once yeah. it generates it, it like stays, it and they get like a little it, right? legend. Yeah, 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 yeah that's... That's a cool idea, actually. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm liking it so far. Haven't played much, though. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. I'm kind of surprised, actually. Like, the, I liked... Do you guys remember, like, the Lord of the Rings games that EA did? Um, For PlayStation kind of just, 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they were just kind RTS of action games. games. I actually kind of liked those. and uh, oh, okay. But it feels like there hasn't been... Like, um, were there any Hobbit games made or no? Well, Chris had mentioned there was some an RTS Lord of the Rings for Xbox 360. Right. NPC. NPC. That was pretty I guess, good. I guess yeah, it was, was decent. Lego, Lego Hobbit. But yeah, yeah, those yeah. old uh, Lord of the Rings games were solid. I don't know why they, they didn't do that from the Hobbit. The like side scroller ones. They had an RPG too, which was kind of fun. Which was pretty fun. Oh, there was that game that came out. Wasn't there a collector's edition that came with a sword? Yeah. Oh yeah, there was a Lord of the Rings that game about that right. came out. I never played it, though. No one played it. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. just seems like I'm surprised they haven't been using that license much recently. But um, Cool. Um, okay, I got a few things. I'll just try and whip through them. Uh, I'll start with my uh, Mind Fuck of the Month. Oh, it's back. Uh, got another Double Fine game to mention. I don't know if you guys heard about this one. It's called Hack and Slash. Heard yeah. This? No. Yeah, the so, Zelda-esque kind of game. Kind, yeah, kind of Zelda-esque. The the uh, the sort of premise behind it and the ties into the name of it is it kind of lets you hack into the code of the game. That's sort of the idea. So uh, in order to solve puzzles and progress in the world, you have a sword, and that sword lets you, um, you know, like you get up to uh, a rock is in your way, and you hit it with your sword, and now you can play with the properties of that rock. So you can change like how many squares on the map it it can move, or you know, to instead of fighting an enemy, you kind of hit him with this sword, and you change his uh, aggressive variable to be false, so that he doesn't attack you anymore. Stuff like that. This Haven't game got... was made for Sean. Oh my god, <laughs> this is. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. I, I thought the idea sounded really cool. Now, I haven't gotten that far in the game, and so far it hasn't really blown me away I don't yet. think you need to say that anymore. They haven't gotten very far in a game. That's just assumed. Well, I mean, I've played <laughs> a couple hours, and it feels like all I've seen are rocks and enemies that kind of fly at you. Like, I haven't seen much else. And there, there is one sort of puzzle, I guess, that I'm building up to where there's a uh, like a rock that has... If you look at it, there's like a whole bunch of code that's on the rock, but you can't edit the code at this point in the game. So I'm assuming eventually you get the ability to edit that code. I don't know like how far it goes, but um, I don't know. It's definitely a unique idea. It was on 
their early access thing for a while, and now it's officially released, and it still feels a little rough around the edges, but I guess that's kind of to be expected with these kinds of games because it was one of their, um, what do they call it, the Am- Amnesia Fortnite, Fortnite or whatever? Amnesia Fortnite, yeah. So it was kind of just something they came up with, you know, just out of being creative and then just kind of decided, okay, let's turn it into a full game. But it's definitely it's, a fun play on the that term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so now when you hit something, are you presented with just a bunch of flags that you can turn on and off? Or is it like, does it give you a command prompt or something like that that you have to mess around with? At this point, uh, it's just a bunch of flags. So I was using a, a controller and you can kind of just scroll up and down and move left and right to change the values. Uh, but I think because of the fact that I've seen, you know, actual pieces of code, I think you can actually type little scripts and things at some point in the game. I just haven't got there yet. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I'll a pretty be- interesting concept, actually. Yeah, and I guess one of the things uh, I heard about it and one of the reasons it was in early access and everything is just because it opens itself up to, you know, definitely players can do things that they didn't intend you know, so I think they had to do a lot of testing to make sure that, you know, things didn't get too crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, a lot of the times when you're, you know, working on something in development, you end up, you know, coming up with bugs that you, like you said, you didn't completely didn't expect, right? So it's uh, modifying the properties could be positive as well as just, like, end up screwing you over because you didn't think them through, right? Is there, like, yeah. a time limit? Like, when you're when you're hacking something, um do you have a limited time as to like how much time you can spend like uh, messing with properties or you can just like sit there? Does it like pause the game effectively? Uh, it doesn't pause the game, but like it pauses that object. So if you hit an enemy, uh, you can play with their properties as much as you want and they won't attack you until you leave that screen. But other enemies could attack you while you're doing that. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's some pressure on you. That's pretty cool. So that's on Steam. Not sure if they have any plans to bring it to any consoles. I'm guessing not. Um, I will mention the Swapper. I don't know if you guys heard of this. This was on Steam initially and then uh, was released on PSN uh, a month or two ago (laughs) as part of their Play promotion. And it's uh, definitely something that I knew would be up my alley because it's very Metroid-inspired, uh, but the difference is that there's no real combat in the game. So the idea is you're kind of this uh, guy exploring uh, an abandoned uh, space station, and you come across uh, this weapon called the Swapper, which uh, it's kind of, it reminded me of basically Metroid meets Portal, because the main mechanic of the game is that you have this gun that can create four clones of yourself, and then you can swap to one of those clones but there are different uh, colored lights that the swapper can't work across so like you might be able to create a clone through red lights but you can't swap to that clone through a red light and vice versa so it's just a lot of puzzles coming from that Uh, at first I was a little confused because I thought it was going to be more Metroid inspired in that there would be more power ups and stuff so I would hit a puzzle and kind of be stuck, and I would think, oh, I probably can't do that yet. But you actually can. It's just pretty tricky. Um, there is one other thing that they introduce later in the game, which is a gravity uh, switcher thing. So you can 
hit these panels that take you to the ceiling and back to the floor again. But uh, the cool thing is that you don't have to necessarily solve all of the puzzles. So if you get stuck on a couple, <clears throat> essentially there's a certain number of orbs you need to continue on, and if you hit that number, then it unlocks the next part of the game. So uh, beyond all that, there's kind of this cool story about uh, the idea of like what is uh, consciousness and stuff like that, because uh, there's these rocks that they've discovered in space that actually can communicate telepathically and the swapper is kind of uh messing with their way of life because you're able to sort of uh swap consciousness uh, it's hard to explain but it's it's a cool concept and uh there's just a prequel to dead space kind of <laughs> the guy looks like the dead space guy it, it did remind me a little bit of dead space i mean it's not really a horror game but there is definitely an atmosphere to it now, the whole um, game was made using claymation, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, you know what? I didn't even know that when I was playing the game, but I read about it afterwards, and it's it's definitely, it has a unique look to it. Like, I was yeah, kind of sure. mixed on it, because uh, some of it I thought looked really cool, and some of it, it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but some of it I didn't like the look of it, but it's definitely unique, and uh, I was surprised to hear that it did that, so pretty weird it's on my list of games i got it on my steam library yeah so is this the official second or third claymation game clay fighters clay fighters pomplamoose yeah oh i didn't even think of that <laughs> so dominique pomplamoose yeah clay so, fighters that's awesome there's no, oh, like there's no chicken run game or anything there's oh, gotta geez. be another one uh there's a wallace and gromit game yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But it's probably just like looks like clay. Probably not actually made out of clay. Yeah, maybe. Oh, uh, ne- the Neverhood. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Clay Fighters is awesome. Yup. Uh, so a couple other quick things. I'll mention Shovel Knight. Did any of you guys play this at all? Briefly. Not yet. No. I haven't. So, no, but I, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, I heard it's bananas. Yeah, I thought I was gonna love the game. Uh, you know, it obviously is influenced by a lot of different uh, NES games. It's It's got sort of an overworld map that's straight out of Super Mario 3. The main gameplay is kind of like Castlevania uh, meets Mega Man because there's bosses. Uh, and there's uh, he has a shovel as his main weapon, and he can bounce on people. So it's kind of like the DuckTales pogo stick. So definitely you can see lots of bits and pieces and it's it's really well put together and you can definitely tell that they love NES games and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the problem for me, uh, which you can probably predict, is it's a little too hard. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those games where I, I the first 10 minutes I probably played and was like, okay, this was a waste of money because I'm not even getting past this level. Uh, but I did come back to it a few times, and it's it is the kind of game where if you play it for a bit and then come back to the level, you'll kind of breeze through it a little. Not necessarily breeze through it, but it, once you figure things out, it's a lot faster. But it is also you know there's checkpoints throughout each level, but you kind of if you die, you have to start over again, and that frustrates me to no end. Uh, when I have to kind of, I'm okay with you know having a checkpoint system and kind of dying and and having something really hard and doing it over and over and over again but if i die and then i go way back that bugs me classic and on top especially of that, if there's a cinema actually 
that, that bugs <laughs> yeah. me. And the other thing is that if you die, you lose like half of your treasure that you've collected, uh, which that treasure is kind of important for upgrades throughout the game. So there's a certain point, if you've died enough times, you might as well just start over from the very start of the level because it's not worth it. So when you beat a level, your progression saves though? Yeah. So it's kind of... I, and I isn't, there of, camp, isn't there campfires throughout the level too that you can... Yeah, there's like four checkpoints throughout the level. At. But it doesn't Wait. save that progress. Like if you actually turn off the game, you will start at the beginning oh, okay. of the Okay, right, right. So I think I would be fine with it if there was... If you didn't lose your treasure and if you could save at each checkpoint, then it would probably be perfect for me. But this was just a little bit frustrating. I, I might... Like I was playing it today actually. So I might keep going with it but we'll see uh and i guess the other thing i'll mention i did since the last show i don't think i mentioned buying a wii u last show did i i don't think so nope so so i finally pulled the trigger on the old wii u picked up a uh skylanders there it is uh (laughs) edition oh i think we did talk about it didn't we didn't we talk about the gold I think figure? we mentioned it on Film Junker or oh, something because okay. it, it was in the background and you commented on it. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of regret it now that I, <laughs> that I did that. Like, it was the cheapest option, but the, I didn't realize the memory was going to be such an issue because it's the 8 meg one. And uh, gig, I thought... Gig. 8, eight gig. meg one. Or 8 gig. And I, I thought right, I could just go. buy like a USB stick and use that to save stuff, but you can't. You basically what? have to Yes, use, you can. Yeah, you can, you, yeah. You have to use, like, a, a hard drive. They recommend... Oh, yeah, for sure, duh. ...hard drive, because <laughs> the USB stick is flash memory, and, you know, they say it's it basically won't work. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I could buy a hard drive, but that just seems like overkill for what I need. So, I don't know. I was a little annoyed with that, because I downloaded, like, two games, and it was already full. Because uh, the uh, I got the Mario Kart Eight, and then it came with a download of Super Super Mario Wii U, or whatever is that what it's called? So um, new Super Mario Brothers Wii U, that's the one. So anyway, I actually picked up a bunch of games for cheap, but the ones that I've played the most, uh, I actually downloaded Pushmo World. I was playing quite a bit of that. It's exactly the same as the uh, three three DS game, but. It's good. I uh, played a bit of Game and Wario. Kind of agree that the reviews, you know, were kind of mixed on that. It's probably one of the weakest Wario games I've seen, even though I've liked most of the other ones. Mario Kart 8, enjoying it. Haven't played a Mario Kart game in quite a while, but this one is fun. I just have no one to play it with, so uh, you know, oh. single player is not always the most fun. And then I finally just a, in. I guess the past week or two picked up Super Mario 3D World, which is amazing. Uh, let's face it. Yep. It's, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't say I doubted that it was good. I kind of was feeling a little bit of um, Mario overload because I felt like they were putting out too many Mario games over the past few years. But this one is way better than the 3DS ones that they've put out recently. Um, just so much variety and all the different levels and uh you know the the new costumes that they've added and going back to the super mario 2 style of like you know mario luigi toad and and peach each having their own slightly different uh 
skill set. Like all that stuff. I also like the Captain Toad uh, oh, yeah. puzzle levels. Yeah, those are I, the best. Which I understand there's a full game of that coming out by the end yep. of the year. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of psyched for that. And actually, I wanted to mention, um, have you guys heard of this iOS game, Monument Valley? Nope. Yeah, yeah. It looks super pretty. I think I, I have it. I, <laughs> I haven't played it. Yeah, I, I really like the game. I think it looks amazing, and it's kind of this puzzle game that plays on Escher drawings where you can rearrange buildings and stuff. But I thought it was really unique until I played the Captain Toad levels in Super Mario 3D <laughs> World, which are actually pretty similar. And I thought, you know what? Seems like Nintendo did it first. <laughs> um, but last thing I will mention is Hyrule Warriors, which I have played just a little bit of because it just came out. But... Um, read some mixed reviews on this and kind of you know still thought you know what like this is the first exclusive <coughs> Wii U game that's not just a rehash that uh, you know it seemed like something new and um I think it makes a very very good first impression I had a lot of fun with it in you know the hour or so that I played but uh I guess everybody says it gets repetitive after a while so I could see that I mean it's it's just large battles i i i've never played any dynasty warrior games but i feel like somebody at silicon knights had been playing something like this before do you guys recall uh 99 knights that was uh it was a 360 launch title i think very similar just like okay, minions of armies that you're just like chopping through knickets yeah <laughs> yeah so i kind of knew the basic style of game and I think it actually translates pretty well to Zelda. Like, it's it's just cool because Link generally, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a badass video game character, but it's cool to mm-hmm. see him put in the context where he, you feel really powerful playing as him. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just curious to see where else it goes. But uh, I don't know. thought it was pretty fun. Well, let's get to uh, Gamergate. This is, you know, everyone wants to hear what we have to say about this. Does anybody actually have a good summary of what the hell is... Chris? <laughs> See, this is, I know nothing about Gamergate, but I don't even want any of you guys to say what you think Gamergate is <laughs> out of fear of prosecution. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. You know what That's I'm fair. saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't even think you can have opinion about Gamergate. The court of a public opinion has already been settled. I'm gamer, okay? <laughs> There's nothing left to be said. What a, I just feel whatever I say is going to be prejudged by existing opinions. I'm prejudiced against both sides. Well, I, I'll just say, like, it was kind of weird because, I mean, Huck City, you were saying you ba- basically knew nothing that this was even going down. No. I was kind of, like, picking up little tidbits on Twitter and, you know, seeing people posting things about, like, social justice warriors and all this shit. And SJWs. I was like, what is going on? Like I, and then I started kind of reading a little more into it. And, um, yeah, it kind of, it's weird how it grew out of this weird sort of back room forum thing that all of a sudden became public. And then everyone was writing articles about it. And, and now I don't really even know, like, it seems like nothing's really resolved, but, uh, people have moved on, I guess. I don't know, but I guess the basic idea is that there was there's a 
female video game developer named uh, Zoe something. Quinn, I think. Quinn? Quinn? Yep. Yep. And she's the one who did that Depression Quest game that I mentioned. That's right. And I guess she, her boyfriend went online, her ex-boyfriend went online and basically accused her of cheating on him with a video game journalist from That's Kotaku. Right. And that just blew up publicly where some people were, I guess the main thing that a lot of people took issue with is they thought, well, this, you know, game journalists are biased and this is a good example of potentially somebody, you know, sleeping with someone to get a good review for their game or whatever. But it became very uh, sexist because, you know, a lot of people were targeting her and and calling her a slut and just, you know, all these death threats and people saying they're going to come to her house and rape her and just got, like, insane. What? This actually happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Where it escalated living? quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it went from there to, like, I guess there's another uh, a game journalist who's, uh, I don't know, I don't remember her name, but she does a lot of videos related to, you know, women's issues in games. She does she a bit a, called uh, Feminist Frequency. Right. Is that um, Kas- not Kasparian or something like that, right? It's, uh, I feel it's like Car- right. Cartesian or something. Yeah. Or, yes. uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't. I don't have the name in front of me. But anyway, we could probably she, find it. She put her latest. Oh, Anna video, Kaspi- No, I don't know. <laughs> she put Kaspi- her latest <laughs> video out, and I don't know if her video was look, even look it up. referencing somebody else. Look it up. I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Frank. I motioned him. It's okay. it's it's a radio problem. Uh, I so she put out her latest video. I don't even know if her video was actually referencing the Zoe Quinn stuff, but she just happened to put out her video around the time that this thing was brewing, and it was about women's issues in games. And then people jumped on her and started get, making death threats to her, and like it just kept spiraling. And I don't really know why this all came out all of a sudden. Like it seemed like it was a combination of people, you know feeling like game journalists can't be trusted and like men who feel that all of a sudden women are, you know, uh, stepping into their domain and that games should be only for men or something. Uh, but you know, then it just became a lot of gaming sites writing about this thing. And a lot of people saying, I don't want to be considered a gamer because this culture is bullshit. And hashtag not all gamers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and so I think that's kind of where it's at now. I don't know if they're... Oh, I guess there was also the Phil Fish thing where he kind of came to the defense of those two women who were being harassed, and then people hacked him, and then he basically said, I'm out, and claims that he's putting uh, his company and the Fez IP up for sale because he doesn't want to deal with this bullshit anymore. So, like, it's just out of control. So I don't know. What's your take on this? Like, is this a thing? Is like, why is this happening? Is this a problem? I don't know. What do you guys think? I think first and foremost, like, so one of the one of the big issues that came along with it was that there were people on the, um, I'll say the gamer side of things, who I think had legitimate concerns about the relationship between games journalists and games developers, independent games developers. Um, but their voices are not being heard amongst all these goons who are posting people's personal information 
uh, on on forums and trying to threaten um, people into withdrawing from the gaming community. Like that that kind of stuff can't be tolerated. Like it's it's ridiculous. Um, and I think that's what a lot of the focus of it is has been on is just yeah. There's this mob of goons out there who who are just obviously like super sexist, right? Um, I guess a lot of it focused on on 4chan and, and such um, for kind of being a haven for that kind of behavior. Um, but beyond that, I actually think uh, they have some legitimate concerns as to the ties between journalists and uh, uh, and independent game developers, but also just like the focus these days on um, like social justice warriors, as they call them, but like this being... Uh, how can I say this? I guess what I'll say is I think the reason why a lot of these people are acting out and trying to stop this from going further is because they feel like a hobby that they've had for a long time, gaming, is being um, subverted by people who are only cons- like only concerned with political correctness um, and like fad issues that are that are popular amongst these people who consider themselves social justice warriors and it's i mean i think right, some so people are sick of hearing about um the lesbian relationship in gone home or this or that or the other in these new games and just want to hear or, about uh, good when, games they remember when game sites were just about great games that were out there and not necessarily about um women getting into the field or like and all those things are fine but it's just they don't want the gaming media to be entirely driven by that well i think it's more kind of what you're saying it's fine it's not fine there's games that exist like gone home where that's the story of it and then there's games where that doesn't exist and it feels like anytime there's a game that doesn't include every uh gender race and sexual orientation as options it's being biased right and I think it's just uh, an expectation that's unrealistic for games. And uh, I think most gamers are fine with there being games that cater to a different sexual orientation or games that are about a single, a, a, a non-white race. And any, we're fine with anything, but we don't expect that every game has to appeal to every race. as long exactly. Or race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever you want to talk about. It doesn't have to appeal to everything and everyone. I think anyone would welcome an array of different opportunities and people are going to find the games they want to play. I think all gamers would really care about is, is the game good. Exactly. And, and that's what they want to hear about, right? And to, to just branch off that, um, pointing out tropes in media, I think is totally fine and totally valid. But I think one of the problems that people run into is when tropes are identified... Um, like this is the typical way that a female is portrayed in a video game. The the reaction to it seems to be let's make a character that's completely opposite to that. And in a lot of cases, you end up with a trope that is born of another trope, right? Like if you look at the Resident Evil films uh, and their portrayal of like strong women, they're ridiculous. They're 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 so characteristic that they're not even real. They don't even feel like comic book characters. They just feel out of place and ridiculous. And that's the problem for me is that, uh, yeah, you identify a trope. Well, that's fine. Like, um, it doesn't mean just because, uh, a, a, 
you know, a woman in distress is a trope doesn't mean that it can never be used in a story. It just means that it shouldn't be a crutch that we're always depending on. Yeah, I think for me, like, it seems like part of it is also that games are attempting to grow up a bit. People are, you know, game journalists are attempting to, you know, critically look at this and look at the stories and, you know, in in the same way that they would look at film and TV and some of these other things. And the problem is that the content is kind of not, I don't know, it's it's arguably not quite ready to support some of that criticism yet. And I think we're pushing towards that, and I think we're going to get there. I just think it's growing pains right now, and that's sh- kind of what a lot of this has grown out of. But, Sean, haven't we kind of seen the mirror image of games already evolve in film? I mean, no one complains. I, I don't think there's as much complaining about gender roles and uh, and biases in film anymore. I think we've reached a point in society where we accept it. We see the way women are portrayed in Transformers, and we scoff at it, essentially. Some people like it. Uh, and I, I think there's still lots of articles being written about this stuff. I mean, last year there was a lot of talk about... Um, what's that? Uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but where it's like if you have a certain amount of women talking to other women in the movie about issues concerning themselves or something, it, it's yeah, called like the, the something Something factor. test. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah the uh, Heim, Heimdall? Heim... Heimlich? <laughs> Something like that. But he, I mean, <laughs> what I'm getting from this is, even as us, we know very little about it. And it's not the, that we don't think there are issues. It's, it's more that we don't think there are issues. You know what I mean? I think we are all kind of accepting of that stuff. And we're cutting more to the core of things as to what's good and what's bad, regardless of the theme of it and what... Uh, it's the, if it's trying the, to push an agenda, I would rather things didn't push agendas and just casually had those themes injected into stories, kind of the way uh, Last of Us did or yeah. just stuff like that. These things can exist and they don't have to be the focus of something. They are just part of life the way it is in regular life. Yeah, just exactly. let and tell a story. That's my point. A character born as a, as a contrary attack on a trope is still a trope. Yeah, it's but the, I agree uh, with you guys. I mean, the it's... Bechdel test, just to uh, clarify. Oh, nice. And the uh, journalist was Anita Sarkeesian, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah that's that's right. That sounds like a fake name. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I agree with you, Sean. I think, like, video games are on the forefront right now, right? There's no other media that's really, like, pushing out into the, the public eye. Um, comic books went through all the same crap when they came out, too, right? With violence and, and sexism and all that stuff, too, because they were the new thing, all the, like, everybody was following it and, and getting into it. So, I mean, we, we've seen that attack through, you know, violence in video games. Now we're going to see it in sexism. I mean, all games go through it. Final Fantasy just had um, an attack on them, too. Um, the new, I don't know if you guys saw the new trailer for the new Final Fantasy game. The whole team is just guys. And so people are like, why is there not girls? And, and Square actually had a good answer. They're like, it's on purpose. We just want a guys on the team. It fits what we're trying to tell. And, yeah, and look at and every Final legit. Fantasy game ever. It's always had... It's a mix, like, right? Mixed, yeah, mixed. The games. characters people remember from... Final Fantasy VII, for example, or it's always Aeris and, yeah, and Cloud, yeah. right? And so, I mean, if if a if a company has a reputation of not being like that, maybe yeah. they're doing it because of the story. Yeah, and that's fine, right? I'm sure there's going to be females in there, yeah. and I'm sure there'll be strong females too. But if the main team is male, that's okay. And if, it was the same with Assassin's Creed; they took a lot of heat for not having female assassins as yeah. well. Yeah, and it's like you're you're not like you're instantly in the hot seat. 
you know, you're you're guilty until proven innocent, right? In the court of public opinion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to tell a story, just tell a story. If it's all women, that's great. If it's not, And whatever. let's put a bit of a spin on it, too. I mean, no one is saying, why can't I be a male Tomb Raider? Right? Like, Laura Croft, that's the character from Tomb Raider. Yeah. I mean, certain yeah. characters exist in certain franchises. And on top of that, the reason why that doesn't necessarily happen in games and why you don't get the freedom to be every possible thing is it's a lot of work to account for everything. And to add story branching, dialogue, voices, uh, animations based on body types and stuff like like, that stuff gets out of control. And to me, the best games are one that focus on one character and put all their time and effort into making that one character great, be it anything, no matter what that character is, animal, fucking anything, (laughs) as long as they focus on that and make that character compelling... That's what makes for at least a good story slash character element of a game and focusing on the gameplay elements. Yeah. I just think it's it's stuff that gets attention online. It and does. It, it's all that's what all this is about is about is generating clickbait. clicks. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking clickbait and it makes me sick. <laughs> and I mean it, it's again, today I'm looking at Facebook and everything is some post, top fifteen things to do this, ten reasons why you need to be it doing works. this. Five hidden and I click on them. And I hate myself. And I, well, that's I, why you're getting more of them on Facebook. <laughs> I just, I, it gets me to the point where I, I just want to cut off from these, where social media has expanded the horizon of what you could hear and see. It makes you want to shut it off more than anything at this it's point. Got to go off the grid, man. Yeah. I knew a guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's that. I mean, City, what's your take? So knowing all this is going on, I'm now pretty nervous for the release of Citizens of Earth. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like we probably missed some ethnicity. I mean, we really tried to be to get a good variety of like sexes and races and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure there is a race of some individual out there that is not represented in the game. And when you call the game Citizens of Earth, obviously we may be opening ourselves up to some criticism in this fashion. It's always DLC. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think, it's, I think the more scary thing about this, I mean, I don't know what really went on, but the fact that people are, like, posting personal information, and, I mean, I've had experience with, like, stalker people in the past... What? And having like, you know, just having the knowledge that that person is out there and you don't know what they're doing can really, really fuck you up. And then you have this girl or girls, I guess, who have anonymous people basically saying like, I know where you live. It's essentially like a scream movie for them all the time. Like, man, like I can't even imagine how rattled they must be constantly when they go home. Uh, like, it's just fucked because you have these people who, like, you don't know if they're legitimate threats. You don't know if what they're saying is, like, if you don't know where these people live. They could live anywhere. They could live beside you. They could move in beside you. No. Like, I mean, like, what's she going to do? I guess she'd have to move. It's the only way she would keep her sanity. It's such. It's so messed that people do that and they go to that extreme. I mean, yeah, it's so I mean, stupid. A lot of these people on like 4chan and stuff, they might not even be invested in the cause. It's just a challenge. It's just a game for them to like find personal information and, you know, f- 
fuck with these people. So it's that's you need some sort of like counter group like anonymous to go out to these fucks and yeah, just well, like post all their information and I think and a totally lot of anonymous activity happens on 4chan as well. What's that? I said I think a lot of anonymous activity happens on 4chan as well. Well, I just mean like all these assholes who are posting these girls like private information they should be exposed. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, obviously it's your classic, you need an asshole to go after them, but it's your classic Ed TV scenario. In Ed TV, poor Matthew McConaughey <laughs> is ha- <laughs> his family's life is being ruined. So he goes after the people, and they won't turn the show off. They won't cancel the show. So what does old Matthew McConaughey do? He puts an offer out to the public. You get me the juiciest gossip on anyone working on this TV show, and I'll just I'll play it live. And that's how he gets the show canceled. He gets some Booyah. really good stuff <laughs> on a on on one of the main producers of the show. I mean, it's the juice. You got to think outside the box. You got to go to Ed TV sometime. And think of inspirations in your life of how we can right these wrongs. It's like Ransom. It is very similar to Ransom. Yeah. Both directed by Ron Howard. <laughs> 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 Did not realize that. Oh, my God. Nice. That's rich. So, yeah, in conclusion, I don't know. I, I will admit, I mean, I haven't been you know, following Gamergate that closely but, you know, the people who have expressed that they don't want to be associated with this and they're not comfortable calling themselves a gamer and all this stuff, I mean, I can kind of identify with that because, you know, you hear this kind of stuff and it's like it's not worth it. It's not worth, you know, having this community of people if all they're going to do is gang up on somebody they disagree with. And But is that everybody or is that just a small... Yeah, I, like a small, you know, group of people that are just super vocal about it, right? And are willing to go yeah. to extents that other people aren't. But right? they like, still when, ruin it for everyone else. That's true, but I mean like when somebody down the street from me kills their spouse, I don't go, oh, I don't want to be a human anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm out. Yeah, but I mean the you problem know? is also that these people are almost wanting to you know, leave the community when in fact all these people need to stick together so that they can say, I, I'm a gamer and I don't do this shit and I don't tolerate this shit. Cause if everybody just kind of like flies the coop and the people that are left are, I feel like even probably. being on that side and saying that is unnecessary. Like acknowledge. I mean, it. yeah, you're, you're playing into this war, so to speak. And it's just, you know what? Most people aren't like that. Like I said, we haven't really even heard of this thing because it's, I mean, uh, maybe it says something with the type of person that is attracted to this drama. Uh, I mean, there's obviously people defending themselves that I feel bad for, but in general, if if you're into this and following it and, you know, po- I don't know. Uh, it, to me, it's not that big a deal. I uh, There's injustice all over the world, gaming and non-gaming, and I think for the most part, no one likes to see it. And there's always just, Bad examples of people everywhere, no matter what you do. And this is a, a gaming version of that, of, of it being in social media. And it happens no matter what you It happens in sports. It happens in politics. It happens everywhere. And I think, in general, it's a problem in society of how we, again, pick sides. And the court of public opinion, I'll say it again, it, it's out there and... It's ruining everything. It's literally ruining everything where 
there doesn't seem to be a non-biased source of information anywhere in the world anymore. Except right here on Game Junk. You fucking got it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm biased biased by not caring. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, I guess we should probably move on to junk mail, unless anyone has any final words to add about Gamergate. No? You guys are all sexist for cutting this off early. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... Let's get to some junk mail. Gamejunkpodcast at gmail.com is the address where you can reach us. Probably not, not going to get to everything that we were sent, uh, but we'll try to get to as much as we can. So, uh, actually, let's start with one from our very own Gas Man, host of the Ball Junk Podcast, who sent in an interesting question. Um, he says, as someone whose only real video game reference is the badass four-player TMNT game that was in the arcade at the bottom of Clifton Hill in Niagara Falls, I'd like to know what it is that draws you to video games. I don't understand the appeal. I suppose it's the same as someone asking me why I like sports. But think of your all-time favorite video game. What gameplay feature sets it above all the rest and what makes it your favorite? What makes the game pop into your head first when you get asked what your favorite one is? Keep on gaming on the gas man. Well, I think it's interesting to, uh, for him to ask that question because it really is kind of similar to sports in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe not. Um, I mean, there is becoming, you know, it is becoming a spectator sport now as well. But I, I would say it's more similar to playing baseball or hockey with your buddies. Playing video games with your buddies is the exact same appeal, I think. Yeah, I agree. There's the, well, for me, there's, there's the sort of like sports team aspect, but then there's another one, which I'll talk about in a minute, but, um, the teamwork, like if you're working with a bunch of buddies, just sharing the experience on the couch, it'd be the same as if you were watching a game and cheering on your team, except at the same time, you guys are both on the same team or even just playing a sport. I mean, it's the same. You're, you know, playing hockey, you're playing video game hockey, you're on the same team, you make a sweet pass in the game. You know, it's exciting. You you get to experience the thrill of I mean, it's just digital a digital um enemy or opponent, but at the same time, you're still outsmarting them. You know, you're using your strategy to cut out with them. And that's really appealing. Uh or even just the mastery of systems. It'd be like becoming really good at shooting a three-point shot. You know, you put in the work to get really good at a three-point shot in basketball. And there's guys that play, like, Counter-Strike for hours and hours and hours and hours, and then, you know, they can jump and shoot and duck and hit headshots doing crazy shit. And that, for them, is as exhilarating as, like, nailing that 10-3 in a row or whatever and having that mastery of the skill, although it's through, like, the manipulation of a controller and the video game code, you still get that sort of... Uh, satisfaction from mastery. I know I get it when you know you pull off an awesome move in NHL and you snipe the top short corner, right? You were pressing the buttons in like just the right way to beat the D and to score in that fashion. It's the same way as if you were actually physically doing it. The same, um, I don't know, feeling you get. And then for me, uh, the other thing is it's is sort of more of like a uh, the immersion aspect of it where you have sort of like a book and you can read it and you get immersed in a book. But in other stories like Uncharted, 
is one of my favorite games, and you really can get immersed, or even Last of Us is even better, actually, example. You get immersed in this story, except instead of just reading it and visualizing it, Alex kind of touched on this earlier, you can also visually see it, move around in the environment, go where you want to go within this story that's been kind of created for you, and it's just in a digital visual medium instead of, you know, on paper, basically. Those are the two things that really drive it for me. I would say in addition to like the mastery of the skill, like learning the systems and being able to master them is definitely a huge part of like, like getting good at games and, and the, the attraction to games, but like just the, the random aspect of it as well, that like, just like in real life, you can get so good at a certain skill, but uh, not knowing exactly what's going to happen in a given situation and like how the game's going to throw the enemies at you or what kind of, I don't know, stats they are going to have or whether or not, um, your attempt at a, a technique or, or or like mastering, you know, using a system is going to be successful. Like, just throws that level of excitement in there too, where it's like, you know, part of it is just completely random. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, and, and you can do you can give it your best shot. But at the end of the day, you really don't know what the outcome of the the competition is going to be, and and that's brings with it a certain level of excitement and a certain level of, uh, you know, replayability. That's like you said, similar to sports, where you you know you you don't know the outcome and, and a great sports team can lose to a terrible sports team on a bad day. Like Tampa Bay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, For me, it was twofold as well. So uh, the multiplayer aspect of it, I agree with you guys, right? I mean, I was terrible at sports and I still am, but I can become awesome at a game and decimating my enemies feels great. Just knowing that you were the best at that round or, or you helped out your team or something like that. Uh, is, a, is an awesome feeling. But for me, it was it was single-player games. I mean, the first game that caught me, um, you know, it was just lots of Super Nintendo games, but really the, the thing that caught me was Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for 64. And it was the first time that I played something where I got to experience this world that somebody established and, and become fully immersed in it, but not just read it in a book. Like, I always loved reading and watching movies. I always felt like reading was... You're reading something that had happened already. It's like a history kind of book. Whereas in a game, you're participating at the time it's happening. And I always felt like like you're in the moment a lot more than a lot of other mediums. And that was the first time I really understood that. Like you can go through a story and even though it's been scripted a long time ago and everybody else is playing through it the same way, just because you're pressing A at the time they want you to press it or you kill a boss to progress to the next area, that participation in a game, that's what makes you feel amazing. And you actually feel like you're part of that environment. And you kind of forget about the rest of your surroundings. And and for that little time, you're in that world. And when I realized somebody made that for me, like not specifically, but like somebody else crafted or a team crafted this entire experience with the music and all that, um, that was an amazing moment for me, knowing that you can make something like that for somebody else to just participate in. So that, that that was it for me. Sorry, if I can just interject quickly. Um, going into like single player games, just to like build on what you were saying too. One of the things that really was pivotal for me in loving games was when I got to a point where I realized that when I play a game, I don't have to play it as myself, and I can take on whatever personality or whatever trait I consider to be part of that character's personality. Um, when I played through Mass Effect, for example, like. Uh, oftentimes I'll just create a completely different character in the same way somebody would do in The Sims to experience uh, someone else's life and just be like, okay, you know what? My character in Mass Effect... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) experience, you know, really experience a game as a woman. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, no, but like I remember creating my character for that and just sitting down and thinking about it and being like, you know what? This guy is a risk taker, whereas generally, you know, I can be pretty conservative at times. Uh, he doesn't take shit from anybody. So as soon as anybody gives me any sort of like intimidation uh, or sorry, makes any sort of attempt at intimidation, I'm just going to not back down from that. And uh, the other thing that I decided was anytime I make like anytime I screw up anything in Mass Effect, I'm not going to reload my game. Uh, and that to me made it a very unique experience to me um, that nobody else would experience. One of my favorite characters in that game ended up dying because of me screwing up. And because of that, it just made it so much more of a personal experience. And I didn't reload it. I just played. And those games carry on from from game to game. Your decisions, you know, have a long-lasting impact. <laughs> and uh, it was hard for me to deal with those decisions. But that's what made the game valuable and interesting. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a really specific here, Sean. Okay. When I think about when I was a kid, what attracted me to games. I, th- uh, As a kid, it's kind of the same way our prior lo- love of movies grew. When we were kids, we liked cartoons, right? We liked some visual medium, right? Mm-hmm. I think the idea of video games, it felt like controlling a cartoon, especially when you look at stuff like Mario World. And once the graphics got a bit better, it's, in a sense, being control of a cartoon. And that's what I love about it. And that's still, essentially, my favorite part is the visual style of games and well, the appreciating the... Yeah, the artwork and creativity and different worlds that are created from movies and any other medium now. It's its its own thing. And that's why I tend to harp on games that are generic in their uh, character portrayals and just the same kind of bland worlds. And I love game Mass Effect. Like the way uh, aliens are created in that, that's, that's what I look at. I just have my mind blown as I'm playing, right? All these games can create... I mean, it's not hard to copy in other games' controls for the most part. And I think we're we're getting closer to a point where every genre has almost an accepted accepted standard of control. And what you're looking at is, I know it's cliche to say the story. Oh, it's all about the story. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's about story exclusively. I think it's about design elements, creativity, and artwork. I, I mean, I can look at the art of a game like Destiny and... Yeah, it's a grind, but it, it looks amazing while I'm doing it. And I'm, as Alex said, taking in the appreciation of what level of effort went into it to make it and just how good it looks sometimes. And I don't know, I just, there's a, a colorfulness and a vibrancy to games that I don't think exist in other mediums right now. And uh, I think that's what keeps me coming back to games is new visual visual experiences I mean, there's lots of ways of taking in the story, reading, movies, uh, I mean, radio, whatever you want to talk about, right? Talking across the campfire. But I've never been that drawn to books either. And I think I've I've loved movies and video games the most because I really have an appreciation for visual style and art and stuff that maybe I can't do myself and that's what I get out of those games and I'm participating actively while taking it in it's just a perfect mix of things going on and I I agree I like multiplayer stuff too but when I think of how much of my gaming life is dedicated to multiplayer stuff it's very little so it's got to be something else that is pulling me in and wanting to try different games and seeing what they offer yeah actually that interactive cartoon thing it's interesting you mentioned that because uh you know, I said I was playing uh, Super Mario 3D World with Kieran a bit, 
and he's not he's not really obviously can't really control it he's not very good at it he's not even that interested in it but he is interested in like being able to tell me hey go in that door go down that pipe do that thing and i really feel like it is kind of an interactive cartoon for him and for sure it's been kind of fun you know sharing that experience with him and when i think too like when i was a kid and what got me into games and just you know I, I don't I don't even really know. I think it's just kind of all the stuff you guys are talking about. The feeling of there being a world there. Like I always come back to Maniac Mansion being one of my favorite games and that was one of the first games where I really felt like I can explore this whole mansion and do whatever the hell I want. And there's a story here and there's characters here, but I can do what I want in that world. And uh and I guess the other thing no, nobody's really mentioned is just I, I like puzzles. I like, you know, it's one thing to challenge yourself Physically, you know, being able to accomplish certain things in a game, you know, whether, you know, just through your your dexterity and uh, agility and whatever else, your reflexes. But I like being able to challenge myself mentally as well. Uh, and that that's an element of a lot of games, too. So I think we covered all the bases. I think so. Um, okay. Got a question from Jacob who says, Hey, you sexy people. My question is, if you could create a Frankenstein console, for example, taking the controller from one, the games from another, and the physical game media from yet another, how would you build your ultimate gaming monster? Feel free to break it down into more parts. What do you guys got? Anything? Anything? I mean, the look of a console, I think I'm going GameCube. (laughs) Legitimately. I mm. GameCube is my favorite. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the medium is kind of tied to the GameCube, the small disc, which I like. I like their proprietary disc controller. I might go Xbox current Xbox One controller or Xbox, Xbox has solid controllers. They have yeah. really good controllers. No complaints here. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite game medium, I mean, maybe I, I do prefer carts. I'm trying to think of which cart I like the look of the best. 64. Game Gear. I'm gonna uh, <laughs> NES Gold Zelda cartridge. <laughs> Little DS ones. I think I'm gonna go Super Nintendo cart. Yeah, just yeah. I think it's got the most flair. If I could inject, insert a Super Nintendo cart into a GameCube with a 360 <laughs> controller or Xbox One controller, I think that's a pretty good setup. You know what? I was up. W- I was with you up until the carts, and I'm on with you. You prefer the only reason why I'm Turbo saying Graphics 16. Is oh, that's the greatest good. cart. That's a good call of all time. <laughs> you don't even see it. That's and works in the handheld as well as a TV based. You've converted me. I like the idea of a thin cart. Well, you can't have it. You already made your decision. No, 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 no. <laughs> but the reason why I love it, the reason why I said carts to begin with, is obviously I'm eliminating eliminating load times. <laughs> right, so it's, but that's good because I don't want to necessarily the cartridge to interfere with the shape. So if I just slide a little Turbo Graphics cart in there, that's pretty good too. Cool. I want my games on vinyl. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. They just they play better. They're a little bit warmer. Yeah. Sean wants Feels Commodore sixty four. <laughs> everything floppies. The old floppy disk. Uh, no, I want a zip disk. I, I was gonna say, well, definitely Commodore sixty four in the in the sense of the variety of games that are available and just like whether it's <coughs> mainstream big blockbuster games and also just weird 
like homebrew games that you got from your buddy that you don't have any clue where they came from. Like that was awesome. Just having all that stuff available. But in terms of the actual, well, the controller, I would go Xbox 360. Uh, the look of the console itself, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out something that I didn't own when it was actually an active console but just to be a little different i'm gonna say dreamcast like that little box (laughs) and um (laughs) what else is there i don't know i think that medium the the medium just plain cd dvd sean come on come on all digital baby (laughs) that's where i'm that's you well yeah i guess i should the one other stipulation I would add to my dream Frankenstein console is, after all of this, it's also portable. <laughs> so there you go. I'm going nice. uh, controller Vita. You got your touchpad <laughs> front, your touchpad back. You can do anything you want with that baby. Uh, just say the Vita. Digital. It's per. <laughs> yeah, just Vita. So you and no, no, would no. be your favorite you more, media more power then? than that. More power <laughs> no, no, than that. That's PSP. And then uh, I don't know <laughs> library. I guess work be... with me, baby. <laughs> I should have picked. Oh, I should have picked UMD. <laughs> <laughs> you could get all your movies for cheap. Oh my god, that's a good one. So good. Yeah, I'd pick a 360 controller. Definitely Nintendo games. Sony for their like. Um, just their interface a lot of times, like the PS3 and, yeah. and the PS4, just really Cross nice. media bars. Yeah, like yeah. I, I really don't like a lot what Microsoft did, especially with their new dashboard. Nintendo's dashboard boards have always been a fucking mayhem. Um, and then format, I would pick the old, like the GameCube CDs, but in those plastic covers. Mini discs. Yeah, like mini discs. Yeah, those oh, were yeah. awesome. Or old like the optical so... disc drive for Nintendo 64. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Probably the perfect... Unrealized. No, I would just it would just be USB sticks. All my freaking games would just come on <laughs> USB sticks. That's pretty good. Do I have to do this? Yeah, I don't you have to. Right, I'll, I'll do it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna frank this. What about your uh, <laughs> What about your PC theory? I thought you were gonna drop that on us. Oh, we can talk. It's kind of boring. You want to talk about that? <laughs> Whatever. Let me let me give you my console. Okay, here it is. All right, my controller, original. NES controller, square wow. for thumb blisters. Can I tell you? Okay, I, you're trying to do a Frank trolling version of a system. It's the greatest control ever do, made. I'll it's do, the best. <laughs> I'll do the. I'll, I'll I'll counteract you with my Frank troll version. Okay, so could you. I'll oh, say, okay, so we'll go control, step by step. Controller, <laughs> Sega Saturn analog controller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking boomerang. I, I gotta say, what I'm pretty it? impressed by step one. All right. <laughs> What about the original Xbox controller before they fixed it? Oh, like the big giant. daddy. Oh, yeah. Fat boy. Yeah. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with my NES controller. Okay. The Thumb Blister Professional Edition. All right. What else, what else was there? Games? The console itself. The console itself? That's a hard <laughs> one. I'm going to skip that for now. No. Okay. He's, he's giving it to Screen? You. Original Game Boy screen. No, Virtual Boy. Nice. That would have been better. I didn't think of that. He was trying to tell you Virtual Boy. It's too late. All right. It's too late. I'm sticking with my green monochrome screen. Low res. I'm down with that. Okay. Medium. 
Tape drive. Tape drive. I love the sound of it. <laughs> Punch cards. It's so cathartic <laughs> to me. It is pretty cool, actually. It's the best. Especially <laughs> All right, Frank, you, you got some catching up to do. Player and, and you get the, the weird random noise. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm talking not, not tape, not cassette tape. Oh, not cassette Backup tape. tape. Okay, look of the console. This is going to be really specific. Uh, model 1 Genesis with a Model 2 Sega CD and a 32X on top. <laughs> I was, <fuck laughs> was going to mention the 32X. I forgot about it. And then just when I remembered, he yeah, fine. Yeah, I fine. think that's perfect. 32X. That's the look I'm looking for. And mediums. All mediums, which is what that console accepts. Yeah. Carts, discs, uh, it takes it all. It's a slut. It's a comp- yeah, it's the ultimate clusterfuck. It is Franken console. Okay, the controller Already. The controller has to be the old NES controller, but with a giant fucking hole in the back to put the rumble pack in from the Nintendo 64 to just weigh it down. <laughs> nice. Controller should be a theremin. What? <laughs> I'm lost. Right. Yeah, there's your Franken fucking consoles, <laughs> Jacob. All right. All right Anyways, what we... we were talking about earlier. Sorry. It'll be the next question, kind of. All right, right, that's cool. Yeah. So Jonathan has three quick questions. The main one is: Has Frank built a gaming PC yet? Also, will Jay no. ever be back on the show? Do <laughs> a Star Trek games premium featuring Reed? Uh, Probably Jay not. Might be back, <laughs> and Star Trek Games Premium is definitely out of the question. <laughs> but I will. I have not built my gaming PC yet. So There's just too much you? stuff to play. There's not enough exclusives. That's the problem. No, uh, I. I would honestly. <laughs> a lot of exclusives. It's most at at this point. It's most. It's always been financially driven. Because to do it right, I'd want to spend like two G's at least, and I just don't have i've never had that kind of money you're saying this to me and there is a wall of blu-rays behind (laughs) (laughs) i know but those are just the those purchases kind of squeak in and it's they feel like deals at the time to just drop two g's out of nowhere it it hurts me it hurts my head you could have just got a corolla instead of a camry and then bought a pc that's true oh well i guess Many PCs. We're poking holes in whether I really want a PC. Yeah. But no, so, I haven't. But Chris loves them. He lives by these things. I'm yeah. a PC guy. I've always been a PC. Like, when I heard the question about the Franken console, to me, I, I was just like, okay, well, a PC, I can pick whatever parts I want anyways. And and most games are available. Even if they're just shitty ports, most games are available on PC sooner or later. So. Uh, yeah, I've always been a PC guy, and I always just buy the parts that I like. It's not that far out there. You don't get any of the best games, though. Nintendo games? No, and I mean Sony exclusive, Microsoft exclusives. Well, I mean, I guess it depends what games you really like. I, For me, like I play a lot of multiplayer games. Um, and I just like the the physics interaction, the interaction with other people over the internet and stuff like that. And uh, I've never had uh, a console multiplayer game that I liked more than a than a PC multiplayer game. Fair enough. The console games I tend to play are like uh, single player adventure games. Like they're okay. Um, <laughs> the multiplayer. I play games a lot of like, like 
single adventure. No, he says when he does play consoles. I do. It is. Yeah. When I do play console games, like I enjoy the single player uh, adventure games. They're all right. The couch, like uh, uh, couch multiplayer games are cool. Uh, But I just constantly end up going back to PC. And those are the games that I enjoy the most. That's just weird. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird? We always get shit for not being PC gamers. (laughs) I don't know. My excuse... We're we're console whores. My excuse for going console has always been... uh, And this, this is no longer valid, but it has always been... I like to kick back on my couch to play video games, not sit at a desk with a keyboard and a mouse. For me, I find I always have frame rate issues on PC. No matter how good my PC is, no matter what game I'm playing, I always have to like knock down the settings way too low. And I know on a console, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I know it's all optimized for me. For my, you get experience. what they give you, and you love it. <laughs> Unless you play the first Mass Effect, that thing was horrendous. <laughs> yeah. So fun. On Xbox 360. It was awesome, but frame rate I don't know if Alex realizes he's attacking Huck's favorite game of all time. (laughs) Okay. Original Xbox 360. That's the best. Huck, I think if he had to pick one game to take to a desert island, that would be it. Oh, dude, don't get me wrong. That's one of my favorite 360 games, but it had the worst tech ever. Like the elevator loading times, loading while in the middle of a battle. Trying to drive that stupid APC. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, garbage. Garbage. So fun. Technically, it was a pile of garbage, (laughs) but it was such a good game, you overlooked it. (laughs) It's the best. I I beat that game four times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nobody here plays PC games but me. Okay, wrap them up. Let's go. All right, Stephen Carpenter has a long email. Uh, let me get to the important points here. He Cut says, um, <laughs> last show we were talking about the value of games and getting your money's worth. A lot of games adding competitive multiplayer. Um, what about MMOs such as Star Wars The Old Republic for PC? It's completely free to play. You can spend hundred, several hundred hours playing it without having to pay anything. Um I guess he's essentially wondering, are there a lot of other MMOs like this, and how can they afford to do this, essentially? Uh, keep up the amazing podcast, Stephen Carpenter. I don't think Star Wars Republic is completely free to play. I think there's level caps and other content that you have to use microtransactions or buy monthly subscriptions to get to. It's the same thing as most free-to-play-to-start MMOs. Well, even games that are fully free to play, like like Warframe, where you could play technically forever, most people will spend zero money on that game, right? I think the conversion rate for any free to play game is like two percent. So two percent of your players are going to pay something for your game, yeah. And then like a fraction of those people are going to spend way too much on that game and make up for all of that. So you're looking at just bringing in a huge audience and then hoping that two percent is still exactly big, right? And when I think about Dax, who like in in World of Warcraft, not to mention monthly things, he would change servers. He would change names all the time. Like, there's a whole another level of spending money in these games that, and that's the percentage they're hoping to get. Yeah, like it, it's just you know, like um, you put out a, a free to play game. Like we even put out one of our games on iOS for free, and 
we got like hundreds of more times more sales or, or downloads than we did when it was like even a dollar, right? And you just get those people coming in and you just hope that at least some of them will buy it or buy something every few months. Um, I mean, iOS games like run off that crap, like the Simpsons. Um, tapped out. Tapped out. Like I played it for a bit and that <laughs> game makes so much money or like Clash of Clans or Candy Crush. They're all free to play. But the two percent of the people the spend thirty dollars or forty dollars on it. It's true. That's exactly what it's about. Yeah, it's bananas. Someone needs to make like an ironic version of that game about catching whales, where somehow the people who spend the most are physically catching huge whales in the game and spending more money, and it's like this huge meta commentary on the person playing, and they don't even realize it. In The Simpsons, they just make fun of you. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, they know it's a game. Homer treats it like a game, and he makes fun of you for buying donuts and, like, spending your time. <laughs> now, have you actually spent money on Simpsons stuff? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. I stopped playing. The only one of those games I ever gave any money to was Monopoly Millionaires, <laughs> which I loved and played the fuck out of because I love Monopoly. I just love the the look of Monopoly. <laughs> I, I, everything about it. I love pure not uh you know licensed versions pure monopoly there's something blissful about it to me and that was that, that was like a game version on facebook of pure monopoly where it was just playing with the aesthetics of the board oh god it was amazing but i gave the money just not a ton i would buy stuff here and there just because i there's games on facebook i play and i don't give money to because i feel like they're generally just ripping other stuff off and yeah. reskinning it. That game I thought tried to do something different. I liked it. It wasn't a copy of something else and I thought, you know what? I played this game for a while, I'll give them 10 bucks and it was more about supporting the game than needing to buy something in it. That reason is probably not the most common though, I bet. I mean, I would do the same. Yeah, no. But I bet it, most of it is because people are addicted. There's like that percentage yes. of people who get addicted <laughs> to it and they like physically need to progress faster than the countdown the timer allows <laughs> so they will pay uh, my mom <laughs> my mom is now addicted to ipad like the games where you find things and oh those man are huge yeah Even painting my mom yeah. is addicted she plays it all night but she won't spend any money on it to the point where i got her a card itunes thing like here just you don't even have to spend your own money if you like the game, just spend some money. It's it's on me, and she still won't spend it. And but I feel like there is another mom out there who's at the same level of addiction who will spend yeah like five thousand dollars. Yeah, is it because if they don't put any money into it, they can plausibly deny that they have a problem? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is that the line? I think so. But she's addicted. Sorry, Sean. You were saying maybe a similar say, experience. You might want to let her know there's uh, there's an NCIS hidden object game on the way, so uh, <laughs> oh, I'll keep an eye out. For that <laughs> oh, is, one. Are you do you, do you are you in the know on this topic? Yeah, I'm not working on it, but it is in development. At game <laughs> Loft. That is the perfect meshing of target audiences of like <laughs> yeah. that Venn diagram of people who watch NCIS and those who play fighting games is almost 100% overlap. Yeah, fucking Eclipse. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the smartest targeted game marketing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. 
so I don't know if we answered all of Stephen Carpenter's questions. Uh, I think he was also it generated just, a good discussion, though. Mm-hmm. I think he was just wondering if MMOs are the best value for the for the money. Um, but no, it I, takes your time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, so. I mean, you can pour a lot of time into those games, but I think that's the other reason why a lot of them go free to play is because you can only really play one MMO at a time. So they want to steal you away from whatever other MMO yeah. you're playing. And, I think uh, it depends what your tolerance is for people asking you for money too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if that doesn't annoy you and you can just kind of like grow a thick skin about people being like, Hey, just give me five bucks. I'll make your life so much easier. Then it's, it's great for you. Right. But yeah, I would say maybe in that case, in terms of value, uh, Guild Wars 2 is a one-time fee and not monthly, and people love that game as an MMO. So, I mean, it seems like there's a ton of value in that game. And I'm hoping Destiny is a good value game, too. I think it has potential. All right, we got one from Essie who says, uh, I just started getting into gaming more thanks to your show. Picked up Sims 4. Uh, I was wondering if you guys have played it. I know everybody hates it because it doesn't have swimming pools or something, but I found the create a sim technology to be a lot better than sims 3 um my second question is how do you feel about games without specific endpoints to my knowledge there's no way to beat the sims does it make it harder for you to become invested p.s i tried out pokemon and 10 dogs and disney magical world and i love them a lot especially magical world does frank like this game i've heard him talk about disney infinity is it similar Thanks for the wonderful show. It's informative, and if you were ever wondering, it certainly plays well enough to the non-hardcore gamer. It's good to know. Disney Magical World, what's that? I've never even heard of that game. Isn't that Magic Kingdom where you walk around and connect? (laughs) Oh, maybe. Or is that the one that's like the... It was almost like a Ratchet and Clank with Disney characters. No, I think it's that one with uh, Stitch on the cover. You were the one who recommended it. Yeah, I never played that. I don't mean I. I don't think I did. Was it the one where Mickey paints shit? No, that's Epic Mickey. Oh, that's yeah, Epic yeah, Mickey. Yeah. yeah, I think it's that one. I've never played it. It's. I don't know. I almost thought about buying Disney Infinity 2.0 today, and I, th- I convinced myself to do otherwise. Thank God. But uh, in terms of games that don't have an endpoint, it is kind of a problem for me. I like endpoints in games, and the open-ended play forever have never hooked me. Maybe they will one day, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I agree with Frank. I'm, I'm a big single player. Let me experience a story with an ending and just, just tell me what you got. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, I guess it's just a question of like time efficiency, really, for me. Like I want to feel like I'm progressing to something, and then when I'm done, I can move on to the next game. But... Uh, you know, with regards to the last question, if you're looking for better value for your money, I guess those kinds of games are great if you have a lot of time. You kind of almost have to classify, like in the same way that Gone Home, I wouldn't really classify as a game in the strictest of sense. You almost have to classify those as not games as well. They're almost like toys more than anything else, right? It's something you can boot up, you can play with, you can, but you really have to set your own goals as to what you want to accomplish and decide whether or not you've accomplished them and when, right? Um, I, I mean, I played SimCity a bit. Then It never really hooked me um, because I wasn't always great at setting my own goals. I wanted somebody to tell me what my big goals were and then, you know, if I want to develop, like, 
go off on little side missions or do something tertiary, then that's, you know, my own prerogative. But, um, I, uh, not that I'm opposed to open-ended games or some, I, a game you could play forever. I've talked about this on the show before akin to settling down or <laughs> getting married. I wish there was a game I could find. And I said, this is the only game I want to play for the rest of my life. And I invested all my time in that game. I would give anything to find that game. I just don't think it'll ever happen. Well, that's Minecraft and I think right that, now like, for a lot of kids. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. That's a good call. I think that uh, in a larger sense with games that don't have endings, really the the ultimate end game is when you understand all the systems that are put into play. And when you, you can master them and manipulate them however you want, then what's the point of playing that game anymore? <laughs> yeah, you, there was that guy who built that Sim City that just like operated itself essentially and just generated huge amounts of money didn't have to do anything right like you he's beat, mastered that game you beat sim city yeah, you beat sim city, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're the you're the neo of the sims yeah, yeah. You, you press two buttons and all you see the butterfly wings flap and you know where the sims end up like you could just play it out in your mind yeah, essentially made like a perpetual motion machine like, in the sims same yeah. as people have rubik's cubes memorized right like yeah you got it yeah you're done how f- now is it how fast can you get yeah. married and have three kids in the sims yeah sure set yeah. new goals for yourself as yeah. you said chris for me i accomplished all the goals i ever needed to accomplish in the sims in about 10 minutes <laughs> i made a house with a bedroom and two really nice bathrooms with no doors and I just watched the people go crazy and kill each other. And that was about <laughs> all I really had interest in. That's funny. I think the closest thing I got to was playing Minecraft for a while. And it was fun setting your own goals. You, see, you pick stupid goals. You're like, I'm going to walk to the end of the map today. And you, you don't do it because it's huge. Or you would find like a mountain you like. And you're like, I'm going to dig a hole through this mountain. <laughs> and then build a staircase. And so I started doing that. <laughs> and halfway through my staircase, I'm like, this is what I do for a living, except this takes way longer because I have to like hit cubes. And so I just stopped playing. <laughs> got yeah, too real for you. Shit got real. Too real, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could be making money got doing this real. shit. <laughs> I think for me, the, uh, the games that never end are not more about the game. I think they're more. Well, I mean, I don't know. Is this, I don't know about for The Sims. I can't remember if there's an online component to The Sims, but for me, those games that never end are mostly about giving the player sort of like a sandbox to play in and then inviting all your friends over to play in that sandbox. I'm thinking of games like Daisy and Rust and Dota and, I don't know, any game where you it's a multiplayer just sandbox where you play around with your friends and create stories amongst the gameplay that you interact with them even like uh counter-strike right each little little encounter with everyone is sort of like a storyline of how that round went and i think this is a little different but those games have very distinct like goals and objectives and and rules and stuff like that too though i i don't know if i'd really call counter-strike a sandbox but there's no end game right you can't beat counter-strike but you can you can win a round, right? Sure, sure. But you can't. I mean, I guess if you consider it that one part in the game, but you don't stop playing the game. Then at that point, you go play another round. But is that the same as beating Mass Effect and then playing Mass Effect again with a different? Character? Yeah, I mean, well, would yeah, you say then that every exactly multiplayer game is like a sandbox? Part of uh, I don't think he's saying it's a sandbox more. I think he's saying every multiplayer game is potentially, if you like it, one of those games you could play forever. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
Yeah, there's no end game, like, potentially. It will never... I mean, Mass Effect, yes, you can play any game over and over again, but like the same opening 10 minutes of Mass Effect is always the same, whereas the same opening 10 minutes of a Counter-Strike match is very rarely going to be the same. Yeah. Counter-Strike match doesn't even last 10 minutes. Sure, well, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, I'm sure Dota is the same way. I'm sure DayZ is the same way. I'm sure all these like open-world games that are now coming out are very similar in that each experience, each time you play is different. You never have the exact same experience. Like you could play Mass Effect the exact same way every time. If you just pick the first option every single time, that game will always be the same. Whereas, yeah, I think that the difference is obviously other people making random decisions that you can't predict, right? Yeah. Yeah. In stuff like uh, Counter Strike and Dota. Yeah, to me, that's like the biggest asset of those games. Yeah, that's that's like the unpredictability. And in, in both how the systems react and also how other people are going to react just makes me like you, you never know. Right. So it's it's that the risk is there. Whereas in like in games, I feel like sometimes like single player games, sometimes I feel like I can predict what the systems are going to do. And uh, it's just loses. You its do have Frank's ability. <laughs> I do. Yeah, you do. You yeah. can predict what's going to happen in the game. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I guess in The Sims 4, there could be an end game. I don't know, but I imagine the characters age. I imagine they could die. And I imagine if you never have kids in the game, I think the game would just yeah. end, right? When your character dies of old age. So in theory, there could be an end game. To the yeah, I guess with those games, in, in some cases, there's ways you can lose, but not necessarily a way to win. Yeah, that's usually how those games go, right? There's a yeah. loss condition, but no victory conditions. Yeah. SimCity's the same way, right? You could screw up your town and have it burned down to the ground and to the point where you're like, okay, I should, I should just start over. But you can't, yeah, yeah, you and can't I think win there's, except for that one guy. I think there's good things about those games. I don't think they're bad, but I just think they're just different type of oh, games. Sure. Just like how Gone Home's different than any other game that's really out there. I guess I have played a lot of SimCity. Never thought about that. That is a type of game like that. Yeah. I always forget. Like a never-ending game. All right. One last question. I don't know if this maybe is geared more towards myself and Frank, but it has to do with the Criterion Collection. Are you guys aware of what the Criterion Collection no. is for DVD and Blu-ray? So it's no. basically uh, a, a boutique line of uh, movie releases where they tend to focus on you know foreign films uh sort of lesser known old films that they want to restore and uh you know make sure that they're still available and they you know put together really nice packaging and like booklets and cool artwork and all this stuff so they cost a little more than your average dvd so the question is hey guys hypothetical slash something i'm sure frank has dreamed of many a night what would you do if you were in charge of the Criterion Collection for games? What would be the criteria for a Criterion Collection game? What would be the first five games you'd release? What would the packaging look like? Would you use a numbering system? Oh, fuck. Would they be <laughs> interspersed among your normal Blu-rays and DVDs? Anything you would veto. As always, love the shows, Matt. So I am kind of wanted to focus on the first two questions. Is What would the criteria be and what would be some games that you think would belong in the Criterion Collection for You don't games. want to come up with your numbering system? Well, <laughs> the thing, he's asking him because they number each of their DVDs. Oh, I see, okay. So it's like release well, number I one, mean, release number two. I guess the intention of the Criterion Collection is to preserve 
the best and things that stand the test of time. Maybe not so much with Criterion. I think it's more important or landmark stuff. I would take the opposite approach. I'd be a little more restrictive and have it be important stuff, but the stuff that still holds up and is playable. There's a playability element to games that has to be considered. Yeah, sometimes you can't go go back home again. <laughs> I mean, and I think if we're thinking of what our first five entries would be, yeah, um, a lot of games. You got to start with like Pong or something like that. You well, know? I was thinking that too, but I mean, just because it's the first entry doesn't mean it comes first chronologically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you want to start with one that's uh, going to sell well, so you can make keep making more. Wayne Gretzky's yeah, you want to. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good answer. Uh, I think if if we're going to start with... I would start with Super Mario World. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. That game that's, is forever awesome. That's, good one. Yeah. that's way yeah. too mainstream. And that's if you like th- the Rock Criterion release, you know? It's like... <laughs> no, it's not, but... <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, I'm thinking I, something This like is the game Keith, version of Keith Criterion. Keith Alpha Zones or something like that would be a more... No, no, these are good games, Sean. Like, that's... <laughs> We're making our own version of Criterion. We're, we're not going to have Criterionitis. These are going to be great games <laughs> that will that are fantastic. So Super Mario World would be my first. You can do your own. You can put Keith Courage, you fuck. Uh, <laughs> it would have to be some two, Japanese import game that I've never played before. Like President You're not going to put Scott Pilgrim I don't know. the world? Or Super Metroid? No, yeah, I don't, see, I, I don't want to do two Super Nintendos. I'm going to put this one. This, If you're thinking of something maybe not too popular, but I think important, I'm going to put Virtua Fighter 2. Hmm. Why 2? Okay. <laughs> I think it, it's a better game. A much better game. Than 1. Yes. I'm putting Virtua Fighter 2. Or Virtua Fighter 1 would also be acceptable. I think, I think that's an interesting niche kind of title that uh, people might not remember and actually paved the way for... I remember it really well, and I'll I'll tell you why if you'll give me a couple. Did minutes. you play it at Max Milk? Like, <laughs> no, I actually played the game. It was about eight months before it came out. My teacher in public school, his brother, was an executive at at wow. Sega, and brought us to this Sega like one of these like Sega sub headquarters, where we got to play all the new like Virtua Racer, Virtua Fighter. I spent all my time playing Virtua Fighter, so I think that's like where I ended, but had all the arcade machines sitting there waiting to for people to play them of games that hadn't come out yet. And Virtua Fighter blew my mind. That's pretty cool. This sounds like a dream you had. This doesn't sound right. <laughs> so was this the reason uh, you got into uh, game development in the first place? Not at all. I was interested before that, but it was the first time that I'd seen uh, proper 3D stuff in a game. And like both of those two games. All right, I, you know what? Let's let's say entry number one, Virtua Fighter. Let's entry try to agree two. on a five. I've got one that's a legit one. I know Sean will be on board, one hundred percent. Impossible Mission. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm down for that. <laughs> Don't know it. I'll I'm agree with it that. just for the sake of give it throwing these guys a fucking bone. You know. <laughs> I got a good All one. Right. What about? <laughs> Mutant League Hockey. That one's out of print, hard to find. Let's get it restored, remastered, back in the Criterion Collection. I've never played Absolutely that not. <laughs> you know what? I got one for you. I don't know if any of you guys have played this. Base Wars? Oh, oh yeah. I, I remember Base that game. Wars. On the NES? 
Oh, yep. man. Mason does not, does not qualify for <laughs> Criteria. Uh, criteria uh, Nazi. For me, one of my first games, RC Pro-Am. I would include RC Pro-Am. Oh, the game sure you would. I th- blew my mind. What, what's that supposed to mean, Sean? I think that fits the, the, the criteria Too here. Too it's popular. the starting of Rare. Micro Too popular. Would be, micro Machines would be the better included. <laughs> micro Machines. <laughs> uh, you know like, what I would include? You understand, a lot of Criterion movies were popular in their own right at the time. Yeah, I know. But They're not unpopular. I'm trying to stick with the stereotype of what the Criterion collection is. So, you know. Okay, okay. I think it's I like would include a, a game like XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is pretty new, but I think could stand the test of time, although it hasn't been that long. What about the original? Well, would you, well the original, yeah, you should do the original then. Well, well I never played it. Yeah, we'll include the original for sure. We'll throw the original in. We're talking about playability. <laughs> original I like the new one. Uh, we're not talking about... Well, then, if we're, if we're trying to be obscure, I'm saying the forgotten classic, Bug. For Sega Saturn. <laughs> I mean, that nice. is amazing. I think you could put... You know what? Let's change it then. Let's just have all Sega Saturn games. <laughs> I think that is the Criterion <laughs> collection of video games. Isn't there you know what, though? Okay. Sh- 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 the thing we do need to include for prosperity is... Uh, um, what do you call them? Sega CD games. The, the movie. Why can't I think of what they're called? Oh, full motion video? Like, full, yeah, FMV games. We need Night trap. at least... Now, what FMV game should we pick for the collection for prosperity? Night Trap. That's too popular, Sean. <laughs> now, that is a forgotten classic that needs to be brought back. Well, Gabriel Knight. All right. Three? Night Trap. Which one was full motion? What about Jazz Jackrabbit? Something like that. You know, oh, Halloween Harry? Duke Oh, yeah, so okay. Good. I like shareware. that. Shareware is a good good wealth of options. Well, and I'm going to include, Doom. I think... It's too popular. Too popular. <laughs> too popular. Too popular. <laughs> I'm with Sean now. It's got to be right in the middle. And I think one that fits this... Oh, I fucking lost it. I can't believe this. It was perfect. Oh. Space Station, Silicon Valley. That's Maybe a good one. That. Yeah, I love yeah. that game. Command or, and Conquer, Red Alert. Popular. Not too popular. Way too popular. You guys, it had FMVs too. No, it <laughs> doesn't Commander. count. Fact Wing Sanity. Commander. Oh, Wing way Commander too popular. Great. Way I'm too popular. Oh. <laughs> way too popular. I got one that Ryan Dick would approve of, would be Fact Xanadu. Oh, yeah. For Xanadu, right, you said it. The NES game, it was just amazing. He loves just any obscure, obscure Nintendo type title. This is driving me crazy. I had it. It was perfect. It's gone. Frank. Buck Bumble. God damn it. Beetle Adventure Racing. Just Battle because. Uh, Did any of you guys play uh, Blizzard's Blackthorn? That's yes. a good one. I've looked or Lost Vikings. Lost. Oh, Either yeah. of those Blizzard games, I think, is Lost a Vikings good awesome. inclusion here. Gauntlet or Rock and Roll Racing. I know my one buddy would be saying rock and roll racing the whole way. Stunt FX? <laughs> no. No. Uniracers. Uniracer. And Knights. That pretty sweet. Knights is a little too popular. Yeah, I guess. Uniracers is pretty solid. Uniracers is the pick. That's my number one release for, and you know what? Wave Race, too. Wave Race, yeah. 
You're you saying know, that wasn't How can you say that's not popular? popular? Wave Race? Nobody even played it. Did you play it? <laughs> Pilot Wings? But exactly. I will beat you any day at a nope. Wave Race. Shadows of the Empire. Nope. No. That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> You're going to say it's too popular. What? I don't even want to say it. You're just going to make fun of me. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't want to say things were too popular. Sean was the one who said, nope, can't be too popular, too popular. So I'm adopting his method of judging games. Blast Core. Yeah. Oh, that is it. Yeah. That is it. That's entry number one in the Game Junk Criterion (laughs) series is Blast Court. No questions asked. Case closed. That's it. How have they never made uh, an updated version of that game? It's insane. It should probably just be all such an underrated because Vita Pinata. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Viva Pinata should be it. Jetpack Gemini. Oh, Rare's the best. Oh, Anticipation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's rare. What else did they make? Uh, well, obviously Goldeneye and all the that. Sh- but. Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Uh, Actually, man. I got one for you. Worms. Worms, too popular. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's as popular as you think. This might be too popular. Gorillas.bass. <laughs> Gorillas.bass. We need a quick basic game in there. Why not just Scorched Earth Nibbler? instead of Worms? Go back to the original. No, that's well, Gorillas. Gorillas not bad, man. Gorillas not bad. I've got a good Atomic one. Atomic Bananas. On Dreamcast, Seaman needs to oh, be in there. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, nice. Uh, that's a lot. Do you include the peripheral, Sean? The microphone. Well, that's that's definitely included in the package. <laughs> but a that game is, that was that terrible, but I enjoyed Sim Ant. I think this is a new podcast. <laughs> it's think, pretty good, actually. I think I, could, I think I could rattle off random games yeah, yeah, all night long. Actually, I got one, too. I got one, too. <laughs> NES with the action pad, Summer Games. Summer Games, way That's too popular, bud. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> do, you ever play, you, do you ever play with your hands? Everyone did. Triple jump with your hands? Of course. <laughs> terrible, terrible game. That's why I asked you I really feel if we're talking about the essence of what this collection is, it is Blastcore. Yeah. Blastcore's amazing. It's perfect. Let's face perfect. facts. It's the best. It is the best, yeah. I still have it. Do you? Yeah. I hate you. In the box? Yep. Oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> I sold all my N64 games that I wish yeah. I had so bad. That's right what I now. did with my Super. I sold all my Super games to buy a 64, and I regret it all because I had every Spider-Man game ever made. Oh, my God. It was the best collection. Maximum ever. Carnage, Red Yeah, cartridge. Separation, <laughs> Anxiety. Yep. Spider-Man, the cartoon game. Oh, it's awesome. Did you have Spider-Man for 32X? No. Because that's worth, like, a ton of money. Yeah, that's awesome. A ton of money. Like 100 bucks? <laughs> like, we're talking $600 or more. Wow, that's like a Neo what? Geo cartridge. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Ogre Battle. That's kind of popular, but that was a good game. Oh yeah, Ogre Battle sixty four. I know, I know. Or the Battle Ogre. Ding, I one game right. everyone ding, ding, would ding, say. Ding, round is over. <laughs> Lun- <laughs> <laughs> Lunar so for Sega CD. I never uh, played, but that's for games. that's one. Panzer Dragoon Saga for Sega Saturn. New Gamers Gate. Oh my God, Mystical Ninja. For uh, 64. Game was awesome. Oh, it's interesting. Oh, uh, Pocky and Rocky for Super Nintendo. Uh, 
Oh, what else? This is so much right fun. Now. Let's just let's yeah. see how late we can go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. All right. Oh, the- dude, I got a, I got a better one. I got, <laughs> dude, I got a better one. I got a better one. And sh- I think everyone will agree with this. Even Sean, as the first entry in this series, Adventures of Bayou Billy. Oh yeah. Sure. I mean, it wasn't that popular, but it, but it, it, I mean, it, it had it was on Captain N, the Game Master, for an episode. It's got a, its place in history that it needs to be remembered. <laughs> it was sure. compatible with the light guns and controllers. It's awesome. Adventures of Bayou Billy needs to be in this collection. Fuck, we're so I, I'm going to oh. really think about this for the next Commander episode. Commander Keen. Oh. I wish we would have saved this question because <laughs> he just looked right at me. He's just like, I'm going to pretend he didn't say that. No, I just don't. I've never heard of the game. <laughs> I've never heard of Commander Keen. I, I really think. Oh yeah. Oh man. No. Just remember, he doesn't have a gaming PC. <laughs> I think I'm going to do consoles only. Consoles only, and I'm going to come up with a solid. I'm going to see how deep I can Obscure get. I'm going to do at least 10. My first 10 releases. This is the best question ever. Awesome. I wish I could have prepared for this. <laughs> a boy in his blog. And Sean, I agree with you. You're right. It has to be kind of obscure. I was so wrong in my initial thought of what this should be. <laughs> you nailed it. It's somewhere right in the middle. I cannot wait. Oh, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the emails, guys. Gamejunkpodcast at gmail.com. Send stuff in for next time. We don't know when we're recording next, so don't bother. Uh, Okay, let's talk quickly what's coming out before the end of the year. Uh, Let's see. Super Smash Brothers for the 3DS, October 3rd. Alien Isolation, October 7th. Drive Club, October 7th. Two new NBA games, finally, also on October 7th. Project Spark. uh, Henry worked on that, right? Yeah, he's the director. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's finally. I think out. Uh, Rob as well that we used to work with. Oh, yeah. nice. Uh, Caution Quest Two on PC October seventh. They haven't announced the console release dates for that yet. Borderlands the pre sequel October fourteenth. The Evil Within October twenty first. Assassin's Creed Unity October twenty eighth. Sunset Overdrive October twenty eighth. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare November fourth. Citizens of Earth. November 4th, November I'll play. 4th. Dragon Age 3. Oh, you guys are going head-to-head with Call of Duty. That's nice. right. Obviously, we're going to win. <laughs> Dragon Age 3, November 11th. Halo Master Chief Collection, November 11th. Little Big Planet 3 and Far Cry 4 on November 18th. And then Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on November 21st. And don't forget Mario Kart DLC. Is when? November, early November. I'm oh, not yeah? Sure when, but yeah. I, I remembered the ultimate Criterion game. Sorry, I got to get in. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> so we, we, we got Blast Core. We got Adventures of Bayou Billy. Number three, Guardian Heroes, Sega Saturn. Oh, my mm. God. It's perfect. People it's a have to actually play these games, though. Needs to be. <laughs> no, believe me. People, sometimes you got to tell people what they want, and they want <laughs> this. They want it bad. They want Commander this Keen. is a hidden gem. Sorry, about, those uh, are my first three. Oh my! What about that <laughs> horror game that you played last time that you said that you were loving? What was that game called? Dead, Deadly At Premonition. Last? Oh, Deadly Premonition. Yeah, that is a classic. That is uh, a Criterion that needs to classic. Be in there. <laughs> All right. No. 
<laughs> this is my this is my fucking. <laughs> I'm taking over. I'm curating. This I'm curating this. Echo the dolphin. Echo the dolphin. Ooh. No, Calibri for thirty two no. X. Yes, <laughs> nice. the spiritual successor, which is a hummingbird. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's, the, the, it's the creator of Echo like, oh, making cool. <laughs> another game, but you're a hummingbird in this one, and you shoot stuff. We'll fire it we just up. Have a bonus track I got of it. Frank right. just rambling on for like another hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh! You know what? Another one is. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm trying so hard. Chris I mean, obviously Snatcher, but. Thanks for. Uh, are we are we wrapping this up, Frank? Yeah, I'm just joking. Sorry. Yes, guys. <laughs> Chris yeah, Sox, thanks, thanks for, for thanks for having us. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very yeah, much. Good job, it was guys. Awesome. Thanks. Lost Orbit coming Honored. out sometime this year. Sometime. You'll be so, hearing about yeah. it from me. I'll I'll Definitely. be chirping about it on Twitter. When where can uh, people it's find out ready? more info and where can they follow you guys specifically? You go to uh, lostorbitgame.com, pixelnauts.ca, or uh, follow us on Twitter at, uh, at pixelnotgames or at pixelnotchris. Uh, Chris, yeah. yeah. And uh, we're on everything. We're on Greenlight and Steam and NDDB. And just type our name. You'll find us. <laughs> cool. And Huck City, any other uh, plugs or news for Citizens of Earth? Don't think so. I guess um, I, guess I heard we're going to be at I think a guy's bringing a build down to Indicade, which I think is in two weeks. And I think it's going to be the full game on Vita. Uh, And yeah, I think we're going to have demos also the game on each shop, if all goes to plan. Nice. So you'll be able to get a little sample for your purchase. Cool. If you want. So are you guys saying next episode, Costume Quest 2? Let's do it. All right. I think it's um, just the Criterion and, Collection. And, uh, <laughs> we need to think of a name for the collection, though. That's even more important. Because <laughs> oh that's, uh, that's literally all I can think about it. Eternal Darkness, <laughs> for sure. Uh, what else? I'm, I'm coming up. Like, I'm going deep. This is the best <laughs> idea ever. Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. I mean, there's so many. I, I just want to talk about it all day. Just cut it off. <laughs> Stop the uh, I think you got to get rid of Super Mario World then and put in. Oh like, yeah, Ma- Mario Super Mario Two. No Mario World's out. Or There's... actually Doki Doki Panic. Maybe the only the Mario, Mario I would Paint. accept is uh, the Mario Lost Levels. Or what about else? Mario is Missing? Oh my God, I played the hell out of that. Game. Mario is Missing. <laughs> I was the, maybe the fake that. Mario game. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't you just want to keep going? <laughs> I don't, but we we need to keep doing this at some point. All right, I might so, just start uh, twitching and talking if people <laughs> want to do this at some point. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gamejunk or twitter.com slash gamejunkpodcast where we post occasional news, tidbits, and other things. And uh, that's pretty much it. So follow us individually on Twitter at Dirty Frank with three hours and dirty, my angry commute, <laughs> and film junk. Until next time, we'll see you One sec. Later. In, on- in honor of Sloan, who couldn't be here today, Cube <laughs> is a game that will go in as well. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Until next time, 
We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.